Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to The Horror Hangout, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time and talk about them. My name is Ben Errington, and today I am joined by regular co-host, Mr. Andy Conduit. And hello, Ben, and indeed, everybody. How are you all doing? Hello. I love Hi. you. Hi. Hello. Hey. Hello there. Hi there. Yeah, for once, uh, I said everybody, and there's more than one person that can visit the answer me. Oh, hello. Exactly. Well done. I love your upbeat attitude and this one thing that i always appreciate i like to uh, imagine yeah. that somewhere in the world there are people that go i'm all right andy thanks very much i always say goodbye to richard osman at the end of house of games maybe it works both ways <laughs> i'm sure it does uh so we're joined by a very very special pair of guests sarah appleton and jasper sharp the directors of the J horror virus a feature documentary co-directed um by the two of them about the global eruption of horror from japan welcome sarah and jasper hello Hello. Hi. Hi there. Uh, if you listened to our Fright Fest episode, you would have heard our review of the film and also our small interview with Sarah and Jasper, which was which was fun. But yeah, we're going to do a big take on of one particular film from the J Horror Boom uh, this week, which is Due on the Grudge. Very very exciting. Woohoo! We love Due on. Woohoo! We? <laughs> we loved you thanks, on that uh, thanks for having us no thanks thank you welcome welcome and thank you for, <laughs> for taking the time to join us um yeah so i guess we should we should jump straight in with talking about the j horror virus obviously that was we were there at fright fest for the it was the world premiere wasn't it that's right yeah, yeah. That then um wow amazing experience obviously it's been sh- it's showed at a few festivals since then and you've got loads lined up for october that's correct isn't it yeah, I don't think it's actually screened anywhere else, has it? No, no it hasn't. Sorry, sorry. Me to cut you off. Um, no, I was just gonna say the funny thing about uh genre festivals, they tend to all be in October, except for Fright Fest, which chooses the hottest month of the year. But just so happens to be the scary month in Japan, right? August. So very thematic. 
Oh, is that true? I think, I think you mentioned this in the screening in the Q and A. Why is it that that it's scary month in Japan? Is it just because it's so hot in their summer and they want to be inside in the, That's, in the aircon? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it? this is the Obon festival, so it's the bit when the dead ancestors are meant to come back and visit the the living when the the borders between the living and the dead are at their most sort of porous. So uh, I, I think it's just a traditional because it's so hot and humid in Japan, especially in the summer, that um, you just, you, as we mentioned in the film, that there's, there's that great association with clamminess and, and dampness and, uh, you know, that sort of general sweaty, oppressive heat you get in Japan. So uh, the idea was you tell ghost stories to sort of cool people down, to chill the blood. Oh, that's nice. And as you mentioned, it's when the barriers between, you know, the living and the dead, when your dead ancestors come like I've been around when a Christmas visit's dragged on too long. You go to the cinema, it's a good way not to talk to your family that are visiting for a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I do like escaping to the cinema when it's super, super hot, you know, because obviously aircon's not really a thing in the UK. So get get that aircon pumped up to a bit at Fright Fest. The aircon was spectacular oh, that, that was working overtime like the the lobby where it wasn't so powerful on the first night it was i was fading fast i'm glad to get in those screens yeah I, isn't it too cold though because you end up getting that's how everyone gets sick because you're like really hot and then you sit in there shivering yeah yeah so sitting there in shorts and t-shirts and stuff and then it's like an icebox hmm. who's taking a jumper in the height of summer to the cinema Exactly. Me, me and Andy in the in the IMAX screen snuggled up yeah, for the whole duration. It's like I put I put I put a light summer jacket. We can use it as a blanket together. Oh, but very your nice. Knees. But over your little cold knees. Oh wow. Um, but yeah. Um, Fright Fest. You both had a had a great time. I assume. Yeah. Did you so, manage yeah. to catch any many other films, or were you, was it all all business while you were there? Well, we had a, the funny thing where the, our screening, the first screening was on Friday morning, first thing on Friday morning. So we got up at the crack of dawn to get up for that. And then uh, the second one was sort of last thing on the Sunday. So we just had lots of time just to sort of hang around and uh, twiddle our thumbs, really. I like to say we were watching films, <laughs> but actually most of it were in the pub. So. Oh, that's all right. That's, that's all right. Yes. I'm sure you yes, saw some saw horrors in the pub. A film. Huh? I'm sure you saw some horrors in the pub. There's a lot of well. horrors in the pub, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Wall to wall. Jake was there, wasn't he? <laughs> Joking, Jake. <laughs> he won't be listening back to this. He'll listen to his own episode. He'll listen to his own episode. After that, no longer interested. Don't blame him. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess when we when we did interview at Fright Fest, we talked about your origins of your love for the genre of J horror and why you chose this as a as for your next documentary, because obviously the documentary before Sarah was uh, the found footage phenomenon. Um, was the was J horror always going to be the next documentary you're going to make? No, um, oh. for me, no. Me and Phil were going to make a different one, and then that got curtailed. Um, so we didn't do that. And then um, uh, me and Jasper just kind of figured his expertise in Japanese cinema, which he will tell you about in a minute, uh, combines quite well with my skills for making documentaries. I mean, maybe not everyone will think that's very skilled, but I do. And so if, you're thinking, that, yeah. if you're thinking that, what have you done recently? Come on. If you're thinking that, let's see your documentary on the fine footage phenomenon yeah. and the J horror yeah. virus. Okay. So Bring when you've got me. those credentials, then we can talk otherwise on your bicycle. All right. 
exactly. <laughs> so what so what do you think, Jasper? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I've been writing about a Japanese film for like 25 years. So it started off with this website, Midnight Eye, with um, Tom Mez. And it was sort of um, tail end of the 90s when uh, lots of interesting stuff was coming out. Uh, and we're mainly we're sort of drawn to stuff like, you know, Shinji Tsukamoto, Takeshi Kitana, not necessarily the J-horror. Um, but, I mean, you can't... Uh, ignore the fact when ring came out i remember seeing it like on a on a sort of bootleg i've got a vcd actually at the time but um yeah (laughs) yeah i purchased from on ebay sent over from hong kong with really shoddy english subtitles um but this sort of buzz around the film grew on the internet because um you know i used to be into horror a lot in the 80s early 90s but you know as far as i said by the late 90s the genre pretty much you know, died out and I'd lost interest. And then Ring came along and it's like, oh, this is sort of really interesting. And it's it's actually scary. It's not jump scares. It's not sex and gore. All the stuff that I thought I loved in horror wasn't there, but it was still really effective as a film. So, um, and I think the way that that film really sort of gathered traction on internet discussion groups and um, people seeing it by bootleg long before the UK release. Um, you know, really, you know, it was like a virus. It was it was, it sort of echoed exactly the same way that Adico's curse sort of spreads throughout the ring. So it's very self-referential. Um, so, yeah, that was my intro into the world of J-horror. I mean, I wouldn't say I was like a, a huge fan of the genre above everything else in Japan, but certainly it was like the most significant sort of boom, I think, most significant global, globally influencing movement in Japanese cinema that I think we'd ever seen. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even for someone who's sort of like a casual, casual fan of of horror would would be, you'd know the impact from Japanese horror just from seeing obviously the remakes um the American remakes which we did discuss briefly I guess we will discuss the grudge um a little bit as well if we got to uh yeah um so yeah that was where your origins of love of the genre came from and then yeah I guess you just thought this is perfect it's the right time I guess to to make it because it seems like a lot of people are still really enjoying the genre as well and festivals as well seem to seem to be putting on you know little runs of Japanese horror I saw that J horror virus is being shown before is it before the ring ringu a festival in 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 October yeah um the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival in Brooklyn New York uh is playing is doing a Japanese horror segment um and ring is playing first as far as I'm aware but it's not like all in one day. It's over the course of the festival. Wow. Okay. And yeah, so like I, I think yeah. the reason that people they're doing it now is because it's ring 25th anniversary. So and I think that some people might argue that it's too soon, but I definitely, we would definitely argue that J horror has had its day, which is something that me and Phil kind of tried to argue with the fan footage, but totally failed because it fan footage came back in 2020 when we were making it. Oh, so no. So have you yeah. done this? Have you done this sort of speculatively to bring J Horror back as well? Yeah. Like it over. No. <laughs> well, it's sort of funny because you know the the 
beginnings of Midnight Eye. I mean, you know, first 10 years I was writing, Jay Horror was omnipresent and everything that was getting released in the UK by Tartan on the Asia Extreme label. Jay Horror, Jay Horror, Jay Horror, to the extent of very little else making it through. So I was sort of, by 2010, sort of six of the hind teeth of, of Jay Horror. But then it sort of petered out because... Um, the the producer that was making a lot of these films, Takara Chise, um, he went bankrupt and then Tartan went bankrupt. And so suddenly there was, you know, the genre sort of came to an abrupt end and, and there have been Japanese horrors made, obviously, across the 2010s. But um, really that main boom, we could say, was over. It was sort of on the yeah. steep sort um, of decline. And, and I, mean, I think obviously- from my point of view, I, I think of that as being really recent and then you sort of scratch your head and look back and go actually that was quite a while back so it's the right time as a lapse to actually put it in some sort of historical context i think mm. so don't be so everyone not- we all know 2000 was 10 years ago it's not that long don't worry it was only 1980 was only 20 years ago as i recall so don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> sorry though sarah you were saying yeah what were you gonna say sir um Oh, no. <laughs> I've forgotten. Oh, the train of thought has been ringued. Yeah. No, I, I guess it's um obviously I don't want to be too negative, but I do feel like only a few of them were really legitimately like scary, and they totally lost that for some reason somehow with all the you know trying to do the same thing again. They just lost whatever it was that made them scary. Hmm. I guess there's like a a lot of things though right like you know when things become instead of being like really revolutionary they get to become rote I think looking back at some things from other subgenres of horror like you look at things that are taken for granted in a slasher movie and then if you especially if you watch them out of sequence sometimes you watch we watched um Peeping Tom not long ago and you think okay I'm familiar with this from slasher movies or or this type of film and then then you think this came out in 1960. Like this is, you know, the the early. Very this is where all these tropes yeah. come from. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. And that's why we sort of went backwards with the J horror virus, you know, to look at stuff where where did the stuff in Ring come from? Because le- everyone says it all started with Ring, which is just obviously not true. If you're in Japan, it's mm-hmm. true. If you're in the UK or in the US, just the first one that any. Uh, yeah, any the. Looking at how, like, a Japanese mm-hmm. cinema being in, like, a period of sort of, what well, is low ebb in the early 90s to sort of suddenly just coming out, you know, with all these sort of global titles and, and uh, really looking at how the, the genre emerged through the through the eyes of the voices of the people who were actually involved in shaping it and making the films. And we do make the point, I mean, it came from the straight-to-video, you know, mm industry before it went theatrical and before it went Hollywood so it's, it's sort of a, a really interesting trajectory anyway yeah yeah it is, it is phenomenal and like it, you just saying this and it's just thinking about it now as well feeling that it took a while for <laughs> lot of Japanese cinema to break through and make a real cultural impact in certainly in the in the western world but it's so funny thinking that it almost took them that long bearing in mind the other things uh, you know other parts of Japanese media that did break west a lot sooner like um i know it's huger now than it perhaps was in the late 1990 2000s but you know the japanese style of comic making is now enormous here the fact that you get adaptations of things like one piece currently topping like netflix's charts the fact that video games being exported from from japan 
probably fundamentally, particularly story-driven ones like RPGs, hugely influential from sort of late 80s, early 90s even. And then it took cinema that little bit longer. But then looking at how that has impacted other things as well, I know as soon as I conjure the words Resident Evil, Ben will be straight in. But looking at the <laughs> the like the video games that you know we didn't necessarily get translated over here, but with that growth in interest, I would argue that the growth in interest of items like you know like The Ring and like Grudge that got people specifically invested in Japanese horror has probably made people look back not only through cinematic history, but looking back through those other examples of. Japanese media horror. Look in comics now how popular Junji Ito is. I can see huge, thick volumes of his work in Waterstones for terrifying prices as well at what they're listing them <laughs> at. But um, yeah, it's it's really cool to see how these things might even be connected and how one thing has perhaps helped raise other parts of media up as well, just beyond cinema. Mm. Well, definitely. Yeah, when yeah. I when I started writing about Japanese cinema, I mean, you would almost have to qualify every time you mentioned the word manga. Mm. And it's, yeah, oh, yeah, Japanese adults read comics and stuff. And there was no graphic novel culture, really, in, in the UK in, in the 90s, I'd say. So um, and the idea of going to the supermarket and be able to buy sushi, I mean, it's I yeah. think it's... Um, all part and part of that globalization process. But I mean, the other thing was, so you were saying about Japanese cinema not being, you know, watched at that time. I mean, obviously, when we started Midnight Eye, there was a lot of books on all the classic age, the Akira Kurosawa, Ozu, Mizuguchi. Um, and so there was an impact in the 50s and 60s, even early 70s. But I think that was the, the old guard of critics were there, like saying basically Japanese um, cinema is dead. You know, there's nothing worth interest here. But I mean, they were looking at films sort of like a sort of more artistic um, type of filmmaking, not necessarily genre filmmaking. So um, I think that's that's definitely I think it was tied in as well. With Midnight Eye, definitely the success of it was tied in with the fact that um, DVD had first started. And so people could get, um, mm. you know, films with subtitles, which um, wasn't really a thing in with the uh, VHS age. Yeah, and of course, being able to choose several different languages, I guess I'd never really thought of the amount of accessibility that gave to non-English language cinema, the fact that you could do it in several, several languages. Well, yeah, Midnight Eye started in 1999, um, and I would get a lot, not a lot of stuff was available in, in the UK, um, but you could basically go on eBay with this new thing called the internet, which was only just really people, you know, permeating everyone's homes, order a Hong Kong BCD with... Um, English subtitles so you suddenly had access to a whole new world of cinema beyond what you had when the days when you were reliant on Blockbuster yeah. exciting exciting Anyways, you see, you're pulling these thematic things Jasper you're already like bearing in mind we'll no doubt cover thematically how often J-horror is you know pervade on the corruption of a technology we'll see it a lot as we go through this movie as well and yet, in fact, it owed a lot to technology. It helped it break out there as well and infect the world. You've done it. <laughs> we can go home now. <laughs> well, exactly. That's why it's a virus, right? Because in the Ring novel, they really focused on it being a virus, like a really a thing that you could explain in science, which didn't necessarily come over in the film. And uh, that's what Jay Horror did, right? became a virus kind of infecting everyone in the world. So I don't know, it's interesting. 
Yeah, it's an interesting way of, of thinking of it, definitely. Where do you think uh, the Grudge series stands within J-Horror? Um, do you think it's like the jewel in the crown or overall? Or no. Do you... no. <laughs> I will happily say <laughs> no. that it's one of the ones for me that doesn't really match a lot of the tropes that you see in the other ones, particularly the technology thing. Mm. I think somebody argued with me about this the other day. That What technology is in it? Well, there is a thing on two, isn't there? When it's it's like a film huh? crew, a due on two, the Grudge two. Um, there is that you know the whole story revolves around people going to make a TV documentary on this haunted house. Right. So it's but it is basically. But the thing is, it is about haunted house, and uh, it it you know that is a different kind of ghost than this. Mm. Because you have to go in the house to get infected by this ghost. Whereas with the ring, it's like in a videotape that you can watch with one missed call. I think it just spreads through the contact lists in people's mobile phones. So yeah. the, the technology element isn't there. Um, like in uh, in Cairo, it's like via the internet, isn't it? So um, mm. at least yeah. it really is in the remake, very much so. Dark mm-hmm. Water, I guess, is very similar that it's in that building, isn't it? So maybe, I don't yeah. know, maybe you can argue that it can still be a haunting in a haunted house, but I just feel like that's slightly more old-fashioned Japanese no, horror. because yeah. she materialises through CCTV cameras and, and TVs. Yeah, she does and do that. There is... Yeah, she'll get on the intercom of your visit your house as well. She'll, she'll, she'll get amongst it. She'll get you anyway. Nick the little teddy bear off your little phone mascot. Put it back in your hand when you're in bed. She's <laughs> all amongst it. Oh, my my take on it is that I was living in Japan, um, sort of uh, 2002 to 2005, and by that stage with Midnight Tide, we we'd had the first wave of um, J horror in the wake of the Ring. You know, there was a whole succession. All of the Ring sequels got released on double bills with stuff like. Uh, Tomie, Inagami, Isola, the multi-personality girl. There was like this whole sort of initial blip and then Pulse came along and sort of, um, I mean, ironically, because it's probably one of the best films the genre has to offer, but it flopped at the box office and and Japanese producers were going, oh, okay, already this uh, J-horror has run out of steam as a a commercial genre. Um, But it was in 2002, I was at the Tokyo Film Festival and the biggest hot ticket film that all all the critics were going mad about was the Ring Hollywood remake, not any of the Japanese films. And I remembered I was trying to get an interview with uh, a director and, and started talking to a Japanese producer, and, and he goes, "Oh yeah, I work for this sales agent. You know, we've got this new film. Do you want to see it?" And handed me a, a VHS tape, um, and I took it home and, and watched it, sort of like the Ring, basically. Um, and it was Jewel. Um, and I remember being sort of underwhelmed at the time um, because I was watching it on a tiny TV screen and with a, you know, with one of those TVs where you had the VHS machine it, it combined yeah. with the TV. Um, and it was like a sort of second generation dupe. So it was pretty grainy. And, and, um, wasn't madly impressed with it. I was confused by it because it's just like it goes off all over the place. Um, it's, it's structure is is just odd. Um, mm. And then I saw it. I got invited to a press screening sort of after. 
um, and watched it in a cinema on 35 millimeter. And it seemed like a totally different film because there's so many details in the frame. You know, I just remember this scene of like the guy, you know, the a hospital door opening and you see Toshio reflected in the, in the glass. And it, little touches like that are really unnerving. Um, so, but I think my take on it at the time was like, this is attempt to kickstart uh, life into the J-horror genre after the Ring remake. And it was sort of like a, almost like the film was made to be remade, which obviously is what happened. Um, so as soon as, you know, pretty much as soon as I had the videotape in my hand, there was news on the internet. All oh, Sam Raimi has bought the remake rights to, to The Grudge. And, and, okay. and I also remember like shortly afterwards walking down um, through Ginza and seeing a poster um, outside one of the cinemas, a huge poster for One Missed Call, you know, Takashi Mika. And it's like, oh, God, it started again, hasn't it? Now everyone's bloody making <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a big advocate for One Missed Call. I think it's a really good film and it's really entertaining and really fun. And it has, like, basically it goes from scene to scene and each scene is really fun and people die and mm. fall down elevators. It's great. I've only seen the remake. I've only seen the American one Miss Call at the yeah, cinema, yeah. no less. But I did I tell you much about it now. I did go away after you you both gave me the the recommendations for what are the definitive J horror movies, and pretty much watched all the ones you said. So we'll cover that on uh, what we've been watching. I think I've mentioned it in a previous episode already, but yeah, I agree. One Miss Call is great. Uh, Dark Water as well. Wow, Dark Water is is better than Ring. I think. I, I think. I, it's... I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's it's one that's not like <laughs> it's scary, but I think it's 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 just the themes it deals with. There's a lot of weight to it, and I actually yeah. out of all the remakes, I think the the Dark Water remake actually works pretty well as well. Oh yeah, I'm, see, I've not seen that one, but I, I was I was aware of that. <laughs> oh, Ring people... remake is the best remake, I think. Yeah, I think we mentioned this as well, didn't we? So the Ring remake was the first of all of these films that I saw, um, obviously before I saw any Japanese ones as well. And the same for you, Sarah, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. Fun fact, Hideo Nakata was was asked to direct it, but he said no. And that's why Gorvabinsky did it. And then he came back for the second one. So oh, Ring, yeah, two Ring 2 is directed by Hideo Nakata. Yeah, I'm not going to chuck a horse off a ferry. I'll just do. I'll just leave that bit out. <laughs> I think it's really good. It's obviously, you know, I like I said to you, was traumatised by it when I was 10. So maybe I have a different imagining. And, and I mean, I've seen it since, obviously, but it's just obviously in there for me. So yeah. maybe it's not as impactful for other people. I don't know. I think so. I think I'm, I'm definitely with you there. One thing that always affected me was the little kid calls his mum by her first name all the time. I'm like, <laughs> what's, this, what's this little dickhead playing at? Don't do that. <laughs> Rachel! <laughs> Rachel. He's always going, Rachel. I'm like, Who's Rachel? Oh wait, it's you. Name me what? I don't, I don't know I what don't that is. That is that, yeah, is that like supposed to be just a sign of dysfunctional family or something? Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. I, guess what, so. I mean, is it supposed to give you a clue that she's not really his mum? Because I think that is the point, but I don't think it necessarily mm. comes over in the remake. I don't even remember that detail, but. There we go. I would like to rewatch it. Any detail um, I took away is what a rude boy Ben is. What I thought as soon as I saw him, <laughs> I hope he gets slurped off by a ghost any minute now. Right so now, no, make a copy of this tape. I'll help you do it. That's not fair. He got to do it himself. <laughs> either either <laughs> called me by my first name twice. But yeah, I'll watch this video. I'll just I'll just step out. 
I love how oh, I feel like we're getting checking the days off the calendar. Six days, mate. Call, well, call what? me mum yet? Right, all right. Maybe I'll be bothered. <laughs> Have any of you guys seen Scary Movie Three? Because I can't, I cannot really think the about the Ring without thinking about Scary Movie Three. Yes. <laughs> is, that, is that the fight? Is that I the fight love scene? That film. Sorry, what? Is, is, is that the fight scene between? They have a fight scene, but it's also oh, got yeah. like the precocious little kid who calls um, calls her by her first name. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the thing, and the kid, and then he's like, he's he holds the kid up to the fan, and he gets flown yeah. out the window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> My God. Uh, okay, so let's um, before we start talking about the film in detail, let's quickly do a little bit of horror news. Um, the first bit is that Smile Two is headed to theaters in Halloween for Halloween 2024. I thought I'd bring this up because this has kind of got kind of some J horror themes, I guess, with like the kind of curse or 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 virus. Yeah, borderline plagiarism, maybe. Borderline plagiarism. Yeah, I mean, did, did you both see, did you both see Smile? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you did. Uh, uh, we, what, how do we feel about Andy? I think you liked it. I didn't so much. Oh, how dare you, Ben? I didn't like it. I thought they used the. I thought they <laughs> oh, used shit, the. Sorry. I thought they used the best shot of the movie in the trailer with oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. with the sister's head. I think it was the which in which I then learned a few months later when we watched Terrified was stolen from that. And I've seen Stealing so. I've seen. I've seen so many films. Uh, you know, in recent memory, where uh, the ghost is actually a metaphor for trauma, done so much better as well. Um, Hereditary. I, I it, it definitely, it definitely takes some. This there's this one scene. Where, so basically, I think the film obviously very derivative of lots of other films, and that's why it's so successful because it took all the good things from all these other films, mm. like It Follows and Hereditary. Hereditary. Um, there's a scene in Smile I remember I mean I've only seen it once but I think that the woman is like in the kitchen at some point and it's really dark and just in the background you sort of see yeah. the shadow of the person and that totally reminded me of that great bit in Hereditary where he sees mm. his sister in the corner and then her head falls off and rolls towards him yeah. so, you know? there's loads of bits like that I th- there was a moment in Talk to Me as well which is a bit like that I think that's becoming a very it's scary. Key. That's why you know yeah. it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's it's for the the general audience that hasn't watched the sort of films that you know that comes to a horror film casually and then sort of doesn't realise where these sort of shots come from. Yeah, yeah. Amateurs. One of those things. It was it was the close. It was close <laughs> for me, and I think it was marketed phenomenally. I think it's marketing. You know, with the people smiling in a crowd, ever so clever but it deserved more when it came to the actual content. Well, anyway, do we need Smile 2? There's a question. That That is a good question, and I think I know the answer to that. We don't need it. The other but... thing is, I don't know if anybody <laughs> remembered this film called Truth or Dare. Oh, yeah. But that had those people smiling in it. Yeah. Like that. So I feel like it took off that as well. Mm. Yeah. So even the basic premise was snicked off a different that, film. Yeah. Directorial technique known as copying. Eighteenth <laughs> uh, of October, twenty twenty-four. Smile two will be out. How exciting for for someone! Uh, second piece of news: Are you afraid of the dark? Podcast series launches just in time for Halloween. Audible. Um, we've talked about a few of these um, fiction. 
podcast. We've said series. stay out of our yard, lads. No, we haven't. Stay out of our yard. Obviously, Nostalgic revisited the 90s cult classic show, um, which was reimagined as a limited series and now follows a new generation of Midnight Society members. Uh, yeah, that could be that could be good. Watch Nickelodeon's out. attempt of rebooting as a limited series. It's got loads of people that have gone on to be in more they've they've gone basically on from this was like the junior division and now they are just in horror movies a couple of kids from it are in it though it's not bad you know it's not bad at all but like it, it is what it is it is a sort of um ya uh, maybe slightly double ya towards the towards the kids side of things sort of horror stuff but it does attempt genuinely to be spooky and threatening um it wasn't badly done at all so i'd, I'd be interested in this the more are you afraid of the dark? More goosebumps coming out in, in time for Halloween. Uh, what a time to be uh, a kid if we want to scare and shape into new horror fans. Um, and the only other piece of news I was going to mention is that Saw X is now out, and I thought I'd bring this up because we're not going to cover that this on the <laughs> we're not going to cover it on the podcast because we we want to be completionists and we've done Saw one. Um, and I don't really foresee a time when we're going to be able to do eight episodes for, for more movies before Saw X. So. I feel I need to rewatch some of them to know what's going on as well. I know that um, John Saw is young now because he's wearing that backwards baseball cap. John Saw. It's been radicalized. This takes place between the first and the second movie, right? I think so. And he's dead pissed off because someone's failed to cure him of cancer. But he'll it's still hard, be t- John. He'll still look what? twenty years older, regardless. Yeah. They're not going to go. A, he's got a backwards cap on, and he's going to say like nineties, sort of nineties slang. I kind did of thought do I was going to. They did that on purpose. They did that on because he's pre- dead, obviously. So yeah. to, to make yeah. him come back. They've rewound into the point he was just poorly, uh, <laughs> and he's taking he's taking his early steps in revenge. I think I, thought... I checked out when they were doing that live operation on his brain. I think that was in the third one. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, oh, I'll tell you what, it do was an the third on one. Rob, bear trap that's, your head off. That's exactly where I checked out as well. The third yeah. one. I don't know because... what happened after that. I mean, I've watched some of them, but I just don't. I no. can't trace it with the plot. So. No. Is the third it's one it. the one where that guy drowns in like pig lamange? There's like a big conveyor belt and it's like blending pigs. I think so. <laughs> the third one, oh, what I remember is there's this guy whose all his limbs were twisted and then his head was twisted. Yeah, twisted his head right off, didn't it? Because he, yeah. he twisted hit, and run, he hit and run the kid, didn't he? That was his that was his punishment. I just yeah, I checked out number three. As soon as the film start going, ha ha ha, I'm more I'm more intelligent than you, and this is actually the story when you thought it was this all along. I go, I'm not interested anymore. Sorry. Every minute that John Saw was in hospital, ever he got that diagnosis, he was just recording little dictaphone tapes. You must have done it back to back because he's got so many. <laughs> Give it a rest, I John think, Saw. I think he might, I think they forgot the basic premise that they were supposed he was supposed to be torturing people who had supposedly done something wrong in their life and needed to learn to appreciate yeah. life. We've, we've discussed like, this totally before. Went out yeah. the window I feel exactly the same. By number three, it's like, you're a policeman who thinks you can save everybody. That's a really admirable quality, John. You should encourage that. You work really. You work like you'd be like. Can you imagine John John Saw versus all of like every dad from like a '90s family movie? You work a bit hard and are not always there for your kids' karate thing, and you've not got him a Turbo Man before <laughs> on its Christmas Eve. 
now you must get a Turbo Man to survive. Just Arnie running around being chased by by Sinbad. Now with, there's a Turbo Man with a bear ice. trap on his head. Yeah, this Turbo Man is full of poison. Only by drinking all the yes, the, yeah. The, yeah, they do definitely lose that premise. I but... think was it the third one though, or was it later where they had this one, this woman I think who had to put her hand in something that crushes her hand to save her colleagues whom she probably hates. There's six of them, and every time you know they're getting shot, but she has to crush her hand to save them. But that was the one. That was the game where you re- you instantly first realised that those people in the game can't do anything to save themselves, so that it completely defeats the object of the plot of the film. Yeah, yeah. and with your colleagues as well. God, see you later. About like, forced like, turns, John. <laughs> like a team building exercise. But then I think they explained it by that woman taking over from John or that policeman, and so it's like they don't care. They just want to kill people. Yeah, they're just bad blokes. <laughs> God damn it! I I had a minor interest in it. Then I saw the trailer at cinemas, and I went, "Nah, unfortunately, it's not for me." Sorry, Saul, I I can't be bothered. But we'll, we'll, we'll watch it eventually. It's out this week, um, and I've seen some reviews. People saying, you know, standard reviews. It's the most extreme one ever. It's the goriest. The traps. You won't believe them. I mean, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that I believe is a it. lot. That yeah. is it for Nothing, it Nothing's going to beat that guy who had to climb up the barbed wire to escape and then he he died on the barbed wire. That was the best trap. There we go. Oh, I like the big pit full of needles that, like, um, uh, oh, yeah. That was horrible. Horrid. Um, I got one more bit of news for you, for you Ben. Oh, thank you. Um, just, so, just before we came up, tell you what, this is where we all met and what we were talking about earlier on. Fright Fest is only back for Halloween, isn't it? Just saw a little oh, post a them a couple piece. a couple of hours ago. That is a good piece of news. They're doing uh, a they're doing a Halloween weekend. Nine more screenings, I think, that have been unseen in the UK. I'm I'm taking this up from a very quick read just as I was connecting to the meeting. Nine more screenings over two nights, I believe, isn't it? Rather than what two days rather than that. Um I know that Kevin Martin, former guest of the show, um, his his movie, the is it the last video shop, is being screened. Which is super exciting. I think we're gonna have to get him on the show to talk about that. I just ordered a copy of that on Blu-ray. Thought, you know, let's go physical as it's the theme. Let's get physical. Exciting, exciting stuff. Uh, looking forward to that. So, I mean, I guess we move on to what we've been watching. Obviously, I've got some J horror to briefly discuss. Anything else anyone seen recently, horror or horror adjacent, that they'd like to cover in the last seven days? I watched Knock at the Cabin last night. Oh, M yeah. Night Shyamalan. What did you reckon? It was okay. You an M Night I, fan traditionally? Yeah, I, I I always get excited about his films, and then they are pretty hit and miss. But I do like him in general, and the fact that he tries to do twists. And I think The Visit is one of the best fan footage films ever. I love The Visit. The Visit's so love good. It. Yeah, six. See, he's not great, he's not so. a rude boy. Like the I like that precocious child. I love the bit where he's throwing that ball in the air and turning around because he thinks that's how children play. Bro. That bit with the diaper is the the most gross thing I've probably ever seen in my life. So Ben hates yeah. the visit, though. I'm, I have it on good authority. I don't remember it very well, though. <laughs> I remember hate. I remember hating the visit and like saying I hate the visit, but I don't even remember why. It's because you naturally dislike old people. That's what I've heard. That's true. <laughs> Maybe you didn't believe that that. Um, I I don't want to give away the twist. Okay, I'll take yeah, it I think I think it was that. 
I think it was that. And I and I I like M Night Shyamalan um to, for the most part, most of his films. But Knock at the Cabin was all right. I do like Batista when he. Turns I feel up like stuff. Knock at the Cabin did not have a twist though. Does it have a twist? No, I mean it was based was on a book. Twist? It was based on a book, wasn't it? So it's like. So no twist. So no twist. No, I mean the twist is no. They've really just put an extra scene in where after everything had run out, Batista could have just stuck his head around that cafe door and give him a little wink. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind I... of what they did in old, isn't it? Like, oh, you know, yeah. what is the twist here? And then they take it back and he's like in a computer room or something or whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Both of those films, I know I know Knock at the Cabin is based on a book and old was based on a comic. Comics or... and castles. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I just feel like both of those stories are like, oh, something interesting is 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 leading all this to something, and then the thing is, well, we don't really know what it is. It felt a bit like Lost, you know, when it just goes, and that's the end, and here's the reason. It was, it was a smoke monster, right? There was a bloody polar bear all along. Uh, yeah. Anything else? Anything else? Anybody has seen? Well, I should give a shout out to talking about J Horror, Jason, the Third Window Films just put out a door. Um, which is 1988 uh, home oh, invasion okay. movie, and I've argued this like um, quite a few times that the um, J horror. I mean, basically, if you look at Japanese horror in the round, everything was used to be period horror, like Kaidan and sort of Onibaba and these sort of period sort of ghost tales, and you didn't really get your first contemporary set horrors modelled on the sort of Western models till um, Door being the first and Evil Ted Dead Trap being another one. Um, 1988. Door, Door is just a uh-huh. peculiar film about like a housewife who gets this sort of uh, door-to-door salesman who just won't leave her alone and um, eventually uh, he forces her way in. Luckily, her husband seems to have left a chainsaw on the on the balcony, so uh, she managed to fend <laughs> him off. But um, I'm just saying that, but that chainsaw's ready to go. Just be careful. <laughs> and I, I look at it the way that, that it was made sort of at that time, same time as um, Jagan Ray, Psychic Vision, which we uh, mentioned in the documentary, which we say is the, the seeds of J-horror. Um, and it also sort of represents a completely different path Japanese horror took, you know, representing mm. trap films and, and, I don't know, Japanese yeah. horror is not J-horror. Yeah, okay. well, it says here the first Japanese Jalo slasher film, Door. Yeah, um, it's got this amazing shot in it at one point. This this camera panning all around this sort of uh, apartment block where she she lives that uh, sort of uh, almost outdoes uh, Argento's Tenebrae, I think. That wow. sounds really good. It does that's a film well, we covered well, well, fairly watch, recently? Definitely. Get that on the get on the list. Um, Anything else? Andy, have you seen anything this week? Seen a couple, Ben. Let me uh, let me throw you a, a little list here. So I finished off my run through one of the most diverse series in horror. I finished my run of Prom Night with Prom Night 4. Let me recap it for you. Prom Night 1, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. It's about a boy what got bullied. Prom Night 2 and 3, Carrie's a ghost, like Carrie from Stephen King, a bit like her, but she's a ghost and she fucks now. And she's, she's number two. That's maybe the best one. Uh, prom night four there's a priest and he is absolutely berserk he thinks everyone's doing sins and he's got this holy water that will spontaneously combust you and he's in a coma for 30 years but then he wakes up and he looks exactly the same he's got a beard but that gets shaved off and he's like just John a Saul. young a young live 
murderous priest with an intense stare. That's him. Um, Did you so say th- free? Did you say free? Uh, two and three are both carries a ghost. And she's, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Two and three, the what are, what are back to back, but number two especially it is a wild, wild ride. Who's Mary Lou? Mary that is Mary Lou. Mary Lou is the carry, but she's a ghost. <laughs> yeah, have you seen have, have you seen Prom Night Two? No, Hello, I just Mary know Lou. one of them's called Hello Mary Lou. Is yeah. It? Hello Mary Lou, Prom Night Two, or that phrase, but the other way around. Well worth a watch. An insane time. Are there only and four? unashamedly unashamedly bad as well it's not like oh mary lou's a bit misunderstood no she's a bastard from the very beginning (laughs) it's like if the bully girl became the victim that became a psychic ghost um so that's prom night uh i watched terrorvision 1986's terrorvision that's insane it's structured like it's all it's almost structured like it's a kid's movie except the granddad gets eaten immediately by an alien that comes out of the telly. The mom and dad are obviously swingers. It's insane. Insane. Um, a lot of fun, though. Um, a couple of weeks ago, when Aaron was on with us and recommended um, a couple of short films, I've watched one of those. This is available on YouTube. If I'm going to echo his recommendation. Have you seen a short film called Portrait of God? No. It's about seven minutes of your time. It's on YouTube. Go ahead and watch it. It was, it's such a deeply unsettling movie. And it's got some great, you know what, we'll, we'll conjure it a little bit. It's got some good effects that we're used to seeing. Maybe we'll talk about in some of these J-horror set pieces where it's not necessarily a jump scare that you see something unfold in front of you in quite a slow pace in, on occasions. And you wish you could look away or it would stop. Um, there's a particular bit involving like a projector screen but you know just to give you a set of the premise it's a it's a woman who's preparing like a presentation like a, like an academic presentation saying I'm going to show you a picture of a, of a uh, like a photograph of a picture called Portrait of God uh, people say that they see things in this picture I don't see anything and perhaps you can't too and she's clearly religious she has like a crucifix on and then she's kind of wondering why she sees nothing in this picture of god and then she keeps just staring at it and staring at it and looking for this figure to appear i'll say no more watch it seven minutes long very like a magic like a good premise yeah. like a magic eye puzzle like a magic yeah. eye puzzle which i could never do and then yeah, that is a good premise the idea that you know that other that you individually might see something that nobody else sees that's quite scary it's really really good and then it the way that it unfolds from there is a lot of fun for, su- for such a short movie. I need to watch the other one you recommended, The 12 Steps, yet. Yeah. But I watched mm. all of the originals, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, all six of those that are also on YouTube. It became a series. It's so surreal. It's, it's comedic, but also dives into like the horror elements of these puppets just in this really nightmarish world and singing songs about being imaginative or the time and things like that. It's very, just, just very, very strange. Um, I saw from one more from Fright Fest. Uh, I caught up on the screener of Haunted Ulster Live, kind of like a oh, like yeah, an, Irish, that, yeah. an Irish production team's like homage to Ghostwatch, a lot that's in there. But there's some, I quite enjoyed that. I think I might write up some more thoughts on that one, but I only caught that one today. So need to let my thoughts rest on that. Um, I guess the last thing for me to mention, I think, Ben, I know you've seen this as well. 
no one will save you. Um, I think it's getting a bit of buzz on Disney Plus or Hulu if you're in the US right now. Just got a recent release. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I I will always pay out for a film that takes a big swing, and I think the choices they made with, you know, you know, thematically, it's not not a spoiler. There is, it's not a silent film, but apart from like a little incidental, like people talking to themselves, little grunts and moans and so on, there is no dialogue in the entire film. I think it's a really smart way to make a instantly accessible movie. It's a big swing. It's about a woman who has basically a home invasion from horrible aliens. And I love that the aliens yeah. were really sort of diverse in their design. It's a big swing. And for me, it paid off. Did you did you enjoy it? Have, have, the, have the rest of you seen this yet? Not seen it, most. I enjoyed it. It's directed by Brian Duffield, who directed Spontaneous, uh, which had a lot of a lot of good reviews as well. I didn't know anything about this very much. I just went in completely blind. I kind of saw people saying it was good, went and checked it out. And yeah, I loved it with um, Caitlin Dever from Booksmart. I thought she's great. And it's just like a, a movie, a subtle, s- small scale, like an intimate story, but it is super, super tense. And yeah, I thought it was great. I will definitely and... check it out if you recommend it. I yeah, like yeah. to think with horror, especially these days, I tend to watch stuff that is, you know, that you at least hear one person say that's actually quite good because it's just mm. lots of stuff. So, oh, yeah. There's yeah, so there's much. infinite content, isn't there? But yeah, I mean, if you take two things away from this, Sarah, I'd say worth giving no one will save you a shout. But otherwise, definitely Prom Night 2. Hello, Mary Lou. She's no. real bad. <laughs> no. I worked yes. on the on the on the Blu-ray release of Prom Night and somehow avoided doing the second one. <laughs> so Oh wow, okay. Oh my god. It's a different film. Prom the same series in name only. A, a different time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I guess the only things I've seen apart from uh, No One Will Save You, I mentioned a couple of these on previous episodes, but I'll just mention them again briefly. I watched Dark Water, One Miss Call. I watched the American version of The Grudge. I watched Psychic Vision. Uh, and I watched uh, Uzumaki as well. So based on your recommendations at Fright Fest, uh, a couple I'd seen before. I'd already seen One Miss Call. Um, I don't know if you recommended that one, though. Um, I hadn't seen Dark Water. And then Psychic Vision and Uzumaki were brand new. Brand new experiences for me. Uh, Haunted Spirals, that is very effective. <laughs> I mean, I'm, fami- I'm familiar with the work of Jinja Ito anyway, so I think it kind of like already struck a chord with me. Um, but did yeah, some really great visuals. Did you particularly love the boys who turned into snails? I think they were good. I, yeah. The fact that they're like on the news as well. Like, There's some snails on the wall. These boys are turned into snails. Look at that. And an horrible greased up <laughs> snail boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> covered in Vaseline. Uh, Imagine me and that reporter that's like, oh, oh God, you know, this person, this person who we started the job the same day as me is covering like the hard hitting political stories. The prime minister's been disgraced. What am I doing? Boys have turned into snails. <laughs> Far more interested, <laughs> way more interested. I love that the film like ended on these kind of like still shots of like people who do. It's like these people have also been spiraled, and I just thought they were really good because it was obviously like they didn't have the 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 money to like make make the effects for how this looked, so they just had these still shots of people who've been spiraled. I, I heard they were going to make it into a series, but then somehow it just never happened. So I think they maybe cancelled the sequel like halfway through making oh. the first one, which is sort of ended. On a, an elliptical spiral, which sort of works within the film's own logic, anyway. Mm. Yeah, most definitely. 
it's just so ridiculous that they would write boys turning into snails. I mean, so death by crawling into the tumble from? dryer as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, he gets he gets in the tumble dryer and dies. And there's like a millipede that goes in someone's ear. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, I, I it, it, it's one of the greats, isn't it? They're some of the three worst ways to go: millipede in the <laughs> ear, tumble dryer, snailed. <laughs> That's a top three for me. Uh, and so, psychic vision which was like, what, 85% like documentary about some singer and then 15% uh, nuts. I thought that was great. I loved I loved this kind of soundtrack as well. I don't know why. It was just a bit odd, that's, quirky, upbeat. That's a good ratio for like, I find for a lot of Japanese horror though. Like if you watch Audition, like th- two thirds, slightly kooky, awkward uh, sort of romance that's getting off the ground than the worst murders for like the last 20 minutes. <laughs> I saw Audition in, um, when it got its world premiere in Rotterdam Film Festival when I was living oh, in wow. Holland. I saw this advert in the newspaper and just saw her holding the wire and I thought it was like a film about a cello player because I couldn't read the Dutch description. And I thought, oh, a romantic melodrama about this woman who plays the cello. Um, so I went in there and, and, and watched this sort of really sweet film turn rapidly very sour. And it really was the case. I think it was Rotterdam Film Festival that everyone just stampeded out the auditorium as soon as she was doing the Kiri 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 acts. And and there was only literally about 20 of us left at the end of it. I just love that you wanted to see a film about a girl. I I would watch anything Japanese at that time. (laughs) it did make me, I I laughed out loud like a dreamer. You were sitting in there for that hour ago. Head in the hands going, what the hell am I, what is it? Just imagine you sitting there going, oh, you know, he's met her in an unethical way, but, you know, maybe (laughs) you'll find a way that he's really going to fall for her. This is going to be great. And the sun will come round. Next thing you know, she's killed his poor dog. I'm glad she got kicked down the stairs. <laughs> Keeps that guy with his hands sawn off in a sack in a... Oh, yeah, guy in a sack. Doesn't she feed Eats him her vomit? vomit. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> I think that's when I fell in love with Japanese film, that, that period, because, I mean, this these were films that were just, you know, doing stuff that Western films just wouldn't do. Mm. Yeah, oh, weird yeah. stuff. I weird like weird stuff. stuff. Some some films you watch and they're just weird and you're like, this is great. I wish some we'd get someone a bit out there who thinks about snail boys and stuff, you know? Yeah, I reckon Chuck snail boys in every film from now on. Feeding a bagged man, you're sick. That's inconvenient for both of you. Because yes, he is eating sick, punishment for him, but you have to throw up every day. Don't enjoy that. <laughs> some people are good at it. There some must be like... some, there must be some days where it'll be like just give him some food, will I? <laughs> I'll just give him a bit of food. I think out of all of those, though, Dark Water was the one for me. I thought it was like a, honestly felt like a masterclass in supernatural storytelling um, because it's not mm. even particularly scary, I wouldn't say. It's not like jumpy. Um, there is obviously one particular shot, which is very scary, but I thought it was just really creepy and mysterious. And I love the constant rain, even though J-Horror does seem to have a lot of rain and umbrellas. Yeah, it's always very wet, isn't it? Well, again, like I was saying, in Japan, you know, in the summer, you know, the humidity and, and often the typhoon season. Yeah. So stay inside. Stay inside. Watch. watch I feel like horror. saying, because we're on the Grudge episode, have you seen the American Grudge 2? I yes. have not. You have? Oh, like the, the, the 
the 2020 remake or something. Tw- no. no, later. The American no. Grudge Two. The Grudge Two that came out like 2006. I'm sure I would have seen it. I mean, let me let me Google it. it the one that Geller is, isn't in, I guess. She I, is I, in I, it. She did it for about five minutes. There was another yeah, remake. No, she dies there? in it. I mean, sorry, ruined spoiler. But she her. is in it. And it's set oh, in Japan. Yeah. yeah. Was the first one set in Japan? I forget. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but they go to the States because the, the curse follows oh. them across. Curse the... gets on the plane. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Mm. In the second one, I will say I think that American Grudge 2 is actually way better than the first one. It's more, it's got different stories. It's got these schoolgirls from. Uh, potentially that's from the original Grudge 2. Um, mm. The schoolgirls that go into the house and they have their own storyline about the their hauntings and and it has other storylines and stuff. I, th- I think it's actually quite scary. Huh. Oh, I, I thought you those up. Reason... I not watched either American one, you know. I thought you meant like the newer American one. There was a Grudge 3 in American Grudge 3. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen that. No. Sarah Michelle, Michelle Gellar's not in it, so why would you watch it? No. Sarah Michelle Gellar's is a great weird run in the in the original american grudge uh just like down the motorway it looks like i don't know what you're doing get out of there what? yeah it was weird um but yeah that is it the 2018 version of the grudge which again no. sam raimi was involved oh no but what i was gonna say also that the version 2018 version of the grudge oh. there was a later one yeah they There's did lots another versions yeah, well, they I know like that another... remade them all in, well, made it expanded the universe out in in the 2010s in Japan. Mm. Oh, 2020 it was this this one again. Mm. Sam Raimi is like a producer; he just play loves it, doesn't he? he loves the Grudge. And back um, in Japan, oh, yeah. there's a versus film as well, right? There's there's yep. Sadako so versus Kayako. Sadako versus Kayako, yeah. Is it like any versus movie where they punch for a bit, but then are mates? In the end, they team yeah. up to fight Mecha Godzilla. <laughs> no. no, it's quite. It's Koji Shirashi. Uh, I want to say it's quite terrible. Oh. It's, it's. I think uh... the best thing about it was that they did this um, uh, promo for it at the Super Bowl, where they got these actresses out on the on the pitch in halftime, and they just like went and fought each other. One was Kaiko, one was Sadako. Oh, so like a boxing way, and they're actually going to get them to like they would, get they into a to, scuffle beforehand. They would have had to brief the security on that. There's going to be two dead Japanese girls <laughs> having a fight. Don't <laughs> intervene. All right. I think oh, if God. you you should watch that on YouTube over watching the film Sadako versus Kaiko. Oh, I shouldn't yeah. really say that really, but it is <laughs> it's quite it's fun. It's not scary though. It depends what you. No, want it's a pastiche, isn't it? It's a sort of yeah, yeah. Of the, the you know a Japanese scary movie. Three. The other the other grudge was 2020, which I'm just checking. I it, the weekend it was released, I went to see it. I was the only person in the cinema. Like they just bombed. Yeah, Andrew, I think there's a time when you, you sort of target this sort of nostalgia and then realize that your age demographic is totally wrong. Yeah, it was definitely one of those. Um, yeah, I might it, have watched it, but I can't remember. I, yeah. yeah, no, I, uh, having seen six Duon films plus the short films that came before, I don't yeah. really feel the urge to watch, you, watch anymore. So, th- I can't remember if I asked you guys this already. Duon Origins, that Netflix series as well? 
like yeah, series. that was actually quite interesting. Yeah, um, I thought it was good. That was, I mean, admittedly, I only got two episodes in, but I mean, they're all self-contained stories, and and they were written by Hiroshi Takahashi, the um, the mm. writer behind the original Ring. So who who always okay. brings an interesting spin. Wrote Dark Water, of course, as well. So uh, yeah, I think they were more interesting than the. I would say more interesting. I I think they were had more to them than the Juwan films. I mean, they weren't scary in the way the Juwan yeah, films, were, but they like they actually were quite meaty in a plot sense. Mm. And again, just weren't chronological either, which obviously they've taken from from Juwan the Grudge as well. Yeah. Um, Takashi Shimizu had nothing to do with them at all. So I mean, I think it's funny that oh wow, this whole project he. He sort of fostered, you know, from film school, making these short films with uh, Toshio and Kayako in them and then brought to the video market and then to the theater, theatrical market in Japan and the Hollywood remakes. After Hollywood remakes, everything got taken out completely out of his hands. So it's just like he didn't write any of them. He didn't have any control over how the franchise went. So it's been, and I feel like with any sort of spanning franchise, comes back to this again, regular listeners all know I've banged on this drum before. But like mm-hmm. any long running series, the ones that for me are always the most successful are the ones where the people who originally made made it keep some kind of hand in it, which is why for better or worse, you can be what several like about to be three seasons and what eight child's play movies in, and he hasn't ended up in space yet, and you can still have some kind of link them together because that original creator mm-hmm. has kept a hand in this and has been able to guide how it has developed and make sure they don't lose all of the threads but when it gets spread out final destination final destination yeah they do loop together don't they yeah i mean i think they're they're an example where the original creators uh, stayed in touch tied in as well the whole series right yeah i think i believe so yeah that's yeah that's that's what i like to see and it's a shame when these things get get taken out of hands but more importantly, on this point, when you're mentioning the Grudge Origins as well, um, for this series, I'm you having described it and understanding that it's out of sequence as well, and they're still ghost stories, very deeply disappointed that it isn't just about Toshko when he just had like his lovely pale sky blue shirt on, just being a fun little boy, hanging out and having fun <laughs> with his cat, like a little cartoon opening series, just him and his cat, and then maybe in the last episode, he goes, oh, fucking get you for this. And then the series begins, the Grudge Origins credits. And then he eats the cat, and that's why he meows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's get on to the main event, due on the Grudge, which is um, a 2002 Japanese supernatural horror film written and directed by Takashi uh, Shimizu. Is that you say his surname? Yeah. Uh, third installment in the Juon sh- series, and the first to be released theatrically. Um, wow, how exciting. So, a mysterious and vengeful spirit marks and pursues anybody who dares enter the house which it resides. No cold callers, please. Um, it's got 6.7 on IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, 80% critic score, 62% audience score, 3.4 on Letterboxd, and some choice reviews. Uh, Grant McClana says, My favourite kind of horror movie, low-key, melancholic, suffused with creeping dread and directed with subtle skill. Four stars. Mikey Flick says, that face staring up from inside the duvet, still a classic. Three stars. And a circus rat, 
a great that's a, that's a great username says <laughs> shameful behavior for a ghost to abandon the ancient laws about being safe under the covers three stars that's true it's a good point and gory b movie says the most horrifying film in the duo on grudge franchise the use of sound and long takes are chilling unlike the remake this film has texture and emotion four stars uh, there we go. Nice cross section there, and I agree completely with a circus rat. Once you're under the covers, that's it. I think mm. this. I watched that film, and then I watched another film where someone hid under the under the covers. I think it might have been no one will save. We'll save. Hell House LLC. Well, just get under the covers. Nothing could nothing could touch me there. See, I think my original review for Midnight Eye um, back in 2002 is still online. But I said, if you don't mind watching a film with characters so stupid they'll hide from a ghost under the covers, then this would be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's a bit harsh. I think that did quite well in that scene because the the whole idea, you know, what's what's the the scariest thing is being infiltrated in the places where you think that you won't be infiltrated. No, I know. I by guess the ghost. And that's like and under the covers. <laughs> I think like getting under in a Japan duvet. they have this they have this thing called Hanako of the toilet, and it's like a ghost that comes out the toilet. So you think you're safe in the toilet? You're not. Is that the one that asks if you want red or blue paper and then drowns you or stabs you to death accordingly? I don't know. <laughs> you want red or blue paper? I, I haven't watched it. What, what I've learned about Japanese ghosts is I think your best defence, if listeners, if you encounter a Japanese ghost, is to be non-committal, where, um, you know, there's that one, there's the, the scissors lady who meets you and says, oh, do you think I'm pretty? And if you say yes... He goes, ah, bloody liar, I've got, I'm all scissors up, and then she stabs you up. And if you say no, she goes, fucking rude, stabs you up anyway. So the best defence, as the word goes, is to go, so sorry, don't have time, have your headphones in, say, no, sorry, can't answer your question right now. And that's how you escape her. Treat them like there's some... Yeah, treat like those those charity muggers that want to sign you up to slap off your salary every month. If you treat them like those... Sorry, I'm on a really important phone call. I do wonder, you know, like in the ring where she's coming out the TV towards you, like if you just sort of shut your eyes and just sit there and just like be chill, would mm. would you die? If you yeah. tried really hard not to be scared of her, rationalised yeah. it. Said, yeah, you would, because in the book, that she basically influences your genetic structure, isn't it? So they all die of pulmonary infarctions through mm-hmm. through um, the the magnetic waves that come from the videotape. Oh, I thought that they were dying of fright. No, no, I thought they were dying of fright. There is a proper scientific rationale behind it. So I did, I did read the read the the manga, the first the first volume of the manga, um, just just a couple of weeks ago, which is great. I think it was really good. Um, I've not read the book though. I would like to read the book. You Um, should. It's really easy to read, and it's actually really interesting, and it's gripping, and I liked it, and I read it all in like two days. It was good. Well, Well, and the other thing is that if you watch before Hideo Nakata's Ring, that there was a TV series that actually you can see on YouTube now, a a TV special, an hour and a half long straight to TV movie, which is very much more literal version of the book. So it's sort of done like a pseudo science fiction film. Yeah, I mean, basically it is a sort of weird new age science fiction book and, and mm. Nakata turned into a classic ghost story. Yeah, because yeah. in the book, in the book, they spend a long time, they're like detectives trying to figure out yeah. why these 
people who are completely unconnected have just wound up dead, seemingly had a heart attack for no reason. And they figure it's some sort of virus for a while. Mm. And then, I, I don't know, it develops. In the manga version, it's almost like she's presented as uh, like a superhuman in a way, rather than a like a ghost or like anything too supernatural in that way. Like I wonder when the manga must have come out after the film, so it's like a sort of third level. Uh, it's probably like an amal amalgamation of both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like Battle Royale. If you read the original book for Battle Royale, it's like six hundred pages and a lot of detail yeah. on the characters, and they had to chop it down for the. For the film, and then yeah, the manga came out. It's off. like a fifteen-volume manga of that as well, isn't there? For once, yeah, I have done all that, versions. I've read all of them. And I think was it give the backstories for all of the characters? Yeah, there's like there's like chapters yeah. for almost every. There isn't. Whereas in the film, there'll be people who just disappear, and you know so little about them. <laughs> yeah, they get thirty seconds of screen time. Yeah, on the um, <laughs> I mean, the book, as you say, it's a an epic, probably one of the yeah. heaviest books I've ever got all the way through, but um. Oh, you've not read Moby Dick? No, I got as far as it. I got as so far as confirming that I should call him Ishmael, and then I dropped off that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, the um, but then the manga is like I remember it being a real struggle to get in the UK. Um, like it wasn't just reliably being released; it was going to Forbidden Planet every month for a year until oh, the next one's in. Um, but I think that was almost like a bit of fan fiction anyway that it had spiraled off again the guy who created the novel didn't realize when the film came out that he was creating this whole sort of run of stuff like battle royale 2 which just goes off in completely its own direction yeah. so so by which stage you know he couldn't do and all of his basic premise was taken to various other directions where he didn't want it necessarily to go like in the manga yeah lost your hands on it oh well well, yeah. well, I think we're all we're perilously close to being able to justify Battle Royale as a horror film and covering it. I think then, Asia Extreme, anyway. I think there we go. Uh, who did for for the J Horror Virus? Who who involved with the Grudge was in that? It was Kaiko Shimizu. That's right. Yeah, Kaiko herself. Yeah. Sorry, her name is actually Takako Fuji. Yeah. I always call her Kayako, though, because obvious reasons. <laughs> well, you know her from. to be only as Kayako. <laughs> and in the documentary, she even does a bit of Kayako, doesn't she? No, that's Sadako. Oh, yeah, Sadako does Sadako. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> don't wanna... They're rivals. We know they had a fight at the Super Bowl. Don't want them to get mixed up. We should have got them on the same day to like meet each other. I wonder if they ever have. They probably have. but hate, They hate each other. They you never know. They absolute dead enemies. together. Absolute 100% enemies. Uh, get Josh okay. to get them together on a Zoom call, something like that. Try and put the beef behind him. <laughs> I don't think I mean, we asked them. We should have asked them, like, what do you think of Kayako? What do you think of Sanako? And just see if their opinion. I don't think we even asked them that. Yeah, that would have been good. That would have been good. Hearing them in the hearing them like speak, and they were just so, you know, they're just both such like gentle characters and so like enthusiastic. But imagine if they're just completely turned dog shit, the worst. <laughs> they're really gone gone off on the other one. <laughs> <laughs> ripped me off uh, so in terms of the plot summary for this film as we go through it um, the events are listed here in chronological order so I guess that probably makes a bit more sense to talk about well, what are we talking about now? Duon the grudge the podcast no point doing a synopsis Duon I think that's where we can begin 
a lot of the things that happen in this, it does feel like almost a a series of set pieces, right? You have a scare that you wanted to deliver or a particular shot that you wanted to deliver. And then what the film does is roughly, not necessarily in order, cut between those. My first note on this is, of course, we begin with the worst real-life horror of all, which is the circumstances of people who have to do domestic assistance work because she's in there. She's only a trainee. It's like, all right, can you go and do this job for us, please? Poor old Rika. Get in there. Again, very rude of the ghost to curse a person who goes there for work. Oh, yeah. Imagine if it was in the UK, the bloody milkman's copping it. Everyone. (laughs) I have to say... (laughs) Not to keep bringing this back to Scary Movie, but actually when you were saying <laughs> that, I'm thinking of that bit in Scary Movie 4 where they cover the grudge and uh, Anna Faris goes, right, yeah. goes and like is, is not paying attention and starts washing her with her own piss. <laughs> <laughs> they should have had that in the real movie because that was quite funny. Uh, oh, I mean, that character who we're taking on there, that poor... Poor old lady, buddy, death would be a blessing. All she has to do is just get sitting wound up and then she's oh, mentioned so many... She's there sort of mumbling away that she's told people so many times about this and this poor woman who's, you know, Rika, who's there just like the fill-in domestic help going, how the wages aren't so good for this job, I'm fucked. <laughs> uh, I mean, so, yeah, if you're looking at... So several years prior to the main plot, if you're looking at a chronological order... Uh, Takeo Saki, he he just finds out that Kaiko is having some sort of an affair, right? Discover she's in love with another man, and she's written it all down somewhere, isn't she? Something she's done. You know, the thing is, the events of the film are actually sort of preluded to in the um in the curse films, the the two straight to video. Ah, okay, okay. So, so you do get a you know the backstory comes, yeah. There's... So yeah. So we've got a little bit of build-up, but if you haven't had the benefit, as I certainly hadn't at the time, so your first bit is, well, yeah, not as we presented again. If we go through this chronologically, that's but this isn't how we get it presented, which yeah. it's not... In terms of you as a watching experience, at what point did you gather that it wasn't chronological? I know thinking of your first watch of this might be a, a difficult time now. I was about halfway through, I reckon. I th- I thought what they were trying to do was something similar to La Ronde, you know, where where basically someone would die and then they would the person that survived would go off and carry the ghost to the next person. So it was sort of like a pass oh, the yeah. parcel sort of thing that moved round back to the sort of house eventually. Yeah, yeah, but I was I, definitely I was a little bit confused. Um, yeah. I was like, hang on, I thought you was I thought you was dead. It's like watching a soap. Um, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, that poor policeman that just, you know, he's tried to quit the force. And then before you know it, fellas that, yeah, we're trying to solve a murder. Well, off the clock. <laughs> he was one in. week away from retirement. And I've Talking to my kid here about street action. paintings. Thank you. Uh, um, so obviously going back to going back to the, the prior to the plot, main plot thing, uh, Takeo murders. Uh, Kayako, after discovering she's in love with another man, also kills the family cat. Bit harsh. Uh, and his son, Toshi. No witnesses. Not, not harsh. Did you say why? Why? Why is that? Why? Grab the why cat. Kill, kill what the are you going to do with why? the cat? Grab the cat. Yeah. Why? Do... I reckon Toshio's he, he had... cat, isn't it? Basically. 
Uh, okay. Can't be so to like, look after it. Listen, if I'm killing Toshio, I'm killing you as well, cat. I'm out of guts for you. <laughs> he thinks they come as a pair. How does he kill the cat? You can always see him just grab it. Give, gives them all they the must have both gone in the bath together. Yeah, that's right. Get in the bath. <laughs> this this poor this this fella who's gone mad because his wife's in a pair playing like whack a mole, trying to keep as many people's heads under the water as he can. <laughs> <laughs> Challenging. Toshio keeps going. Every time anyone goes no, in the bathroom, <laughs> shoving them back under. <laughs> You'd be well annoyed though if you're like, oh, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do a couple of murders, but they will come back as vengeful ghosts. Oh bloody hell, that's even more annoying, I would say. Yes. Uh, you should have surprised them so they didn't have make time to form grudges. Make, make them happy and then kill them. <laughs> oh god. Uh, so yeah, yeah come on the head great. and asleep or something like that. That'll sort it out. Say night, night, love you. Good advice. Good advice. She wouldn't know. So the murders create a curse that revives the family's vengeful ghost. Uh, with Kaiko's ghost murdering Takeo. Does that happen like pretty much straight away? Comes back. Uh, and then whoever enters the house essentially is eventually consumed by the curse, which is the old lady who's fine. Spreads to the place they die. Yeah, she's not interested. She's fine. She's uh, which spreads to the place they die and in turn consumes anyone who comes in. This is horrible. I'd be like, God, this is like a pandemic. Do you think there's another well, limit to her thing, which would eventually be spread really thin? Fun, fun fact. Fun fact: the house has actually been demolished, so clearly there really was a ghost there. Oh, yeah, we wanted to get it in the documentary, obviously, but uh, it's gone. Why did they demolish the house? Yeah. Just because they thought it's yeah, Express in, now. They like the changing walls. things in Japan. They demolish houses a lot. Get out, Stan. They, well, it wasn't because they thought there was pure evil in the bricks. It probably like, was that, though. I mean, I bet nobody bought it. No, you wouldn't, would you? Like like no. Fred West's house. They went, get that down, straight away. <laughs> There'll be grudges in there. Get them off. Oh, exactly. You yeah. they believe in, they believe, they're more spiritual, aren't they, in Japan? They might mm. believe it. You, you never know. Yeah. Come up on your EPC rating when you get it done. Hang on, this, this house is rated a D for ghosts. No improvement it... methods you can put in. Just tear it down, start over. Yeah. Has this house been built on an Indian burial ground? It always happens in America. That's only in America. Yeah, that's what I said. Where they had Indians. I said that. I said that. Uh, but yeah. Um, so the latest owners of the house are the Tokunaga family, consisting of salary man. What's that mean? Just a man with a salary, just a like a business a job, like a, bit, a man with a suit, a man with a suit, basic and a, job. And a... someone whose job is emails. Yeah, wage briefcase. slave, briefcase man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Katsuya, his uh, his wife Kazumi, and their ill mother uh, Sachi. She's ill. What's wrong with her? Old. Yeah, <laughs> she's got. She's general... been haunted for the last ten years. <laughs> yeah, just general a, old malaise. Just... Can you just put me out of my misery? Because I've been haunted for the last ten years. I'm sick of it. I can't, can't have a do any... good night's sleep without waking up without this pale ass woman standing over me and staring at my face. Oh, that put you off so much. Trying to go to sleep, someone's leaning over you. <laughs> like in your picture. Yeah. yeah. She'll be like, "You asleep?" Yeah. <laughs> are you asleep yet are you asleep yeah can um, i get you anything glass of water <laughs> go on to read to you for a bit no leave me alone someone sat on the end of the bed as well that's horrible you better properly put your legs out sort of 
all hunched over. <laughs> Just kick um, him off. Like. Get out of it, Toshio, for God's sake. Put some bloody clothes on. You've got some. I've seen you in them. Lovely little little pale yeah. blue polo was, neck. Was he killed in his little polo neck? No, they became... He had to get some ghost clothes from Ghost M&S. <laughs> Sat there in his little pants, for God's sake. Just some bath in uh, pants. Yeah. He's really uh, not thought about this when he's drowned them. I, mean, I don't no. really understand the concept of Kaioko, really, because she's she was murdered. And why is she leaning over people while they're sleeping? I mean, how is that helping her? I don't really know why that why she would do that, logically. Yeah, I think that is one thing that I was kind of confused by, because at least with in the in the ring and uh, you kind of kind of understand why she's doing what she's doing and she went down a well that looked like a ring went down a well needs to need to find a bloody body whereas this one um it feels like kayako is just knocking about causing a havoc she's lashing out isn't she she's been she's died in a foul temper it loves crawling down the stairs i think i've seen her do about five times yeah uh, on all fours have you ever tried to do that i was gonna say that have you ever tried to do that it's bloody hard I was never brave enough it to go down. I used good. to do it up. You used to like run upstairs and feel like you're the fastest thing in the world using your arms and legs to go up the stairs. You start going down and your legs start like trying to follow. They try, start trying to bend over that way. So you're. In... <laughs> if she was going up the stairs, it wouldn't be scary. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be fun. Walking up the stairs. You walk in the house and she's just going up the stairs. I still do that now. The little run up the stairs. Yeah, I'll run up the stairs or try and do it without using your legs just to work out would I be able to cope if I lost <laughs> use of my legs. What? Just crawl up like a dead weight. Yeah. Good exercise, the... isn't it? You still do the thing when you... you still do the thing when you turn the light off downstairs and you quickly run upstairs so the so the evils don't get you. Yeah. Yeah. Might be a skeleton looking out the window trying to get you. <laughs> Yeah, I still do that. You know, when uh, I first uh, saw the ring, I had this horrible nightmare where I was at the top of the stairs and the girl was coming up the stairs towards me, but there was a button and I pressed the button and it made her go down the stairs. But then suddenly I was at the bottom of the stairs and it was just a vicious oh. cycle. <laughs> yeah, you dreamt what? that you had, like, your stairs were like the gladiator's travelator. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Zadako, you will go wolf. on my first whistle. <laughs> And many uh, about what did that button thing. represent? If you pressed it, but then you ended up at the bottom of the stairs. What did that button represent in your dream? Interesting. That she's always coming for me. I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So what happens? The family are pretty uh, consumed by the curse fairly quickly. The whole film is essentially a series of set pieces where we introduced to a character and uh, Kayako takes out her, her rage on them for for one reason or another within the house or beyond the house because um yeah she the haunting is kind of related to a person who's been in the house rather than just the house isn't it that's and right got, they, they have some element of possession powers as well right because this this family so um so is it Kazoya the, the the father he comes home and everything's gone awry his mother's been there but he, he comes home to find his wife uh and um well his wife has been killed because she goes for now let me think what happens to the wife so she sees toshko in the toshio toshio uh and he and he um 
she see like there's some clattering about in the house. He's knocking things over while she's going for a nap. She goes upstairs to have a lie down, and then he pops, and then he he gets her. So then he comes. The husband comes up, and she is not dead, but kind of catatonic. Mm. Um, she's like in a catatonic state, and then. Tashio comes up from the side of the bed. He like rises up like a genie from the side of the bed. Does the does the cat noise, um, and then yep. and then the husband, good facial acting here. I'll give this credit. He sort of darkens, uh, he sort of darkens and looks very serious. And then Hitomi, the younger sister, comes around to cook dinner, and he kind of pies her off out the door. He's like, um, yeah, you've got to go. Actually, you can't hang about. And then he does mutter, she's. She's she's got another bloke actually. It uh it definitely isn't my son. And you would worry if you you would wonder that he was your son. He doesn't look anything like you as a pale little ghost boy, whereas you are a Japanese salaryman. Um <laughs> and then does yeah. he quick remind me of this? Does is it under the influence of the ghost, does he kill his wife, or do we just find them both dead in the attic later? Yeah, just yeah. find them both dead. Just you don't see dead, him yeah. kill her, do you? No. So when did but she then, go from that catatonic state to then dead? We don't yeah. know, I don't think. We don't, we don't, yeah. They must get God at some point. But then he himself becomes almost uh, an extension or a hallucination used by the ghost because we probably see the most, with the exception of Rika, the, the domestic assistant, we see maybe a lot more of Hitomi's story because she goes back to the office uh, you know, she has another day at work. She starts getting these phone calls, um, uh, and you get the 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 creaking, horrible, like iconic sound that we get of the grudge. That's it. That uh, noise. Um, and she's she's on she's on the phone. Um, it gets it gets worse. The little teddy bear, the little mascot on a phone, gets knocked off in the toilets, and then a big shadow comes out. So she runs and tells the most put upon security guard in the business. He's like, "Yeah, <laughs> toilets on the fifteenth floor. You say right up there, is it?" I gotta say, like everything up to this point and beyond in the American version is like exactly the same. Even to the point where I was like, "I swear that's the same actor playing the security guard." Like yeah. it just felt exactly the same. I don't know why, I don't know why at all that Shimizu wanted to make the same film exactly the same three times. Well, but he, that is he, what um, he did. Yeah, with money, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but who, yeah. whoever says, like, make this exact same film in the remake? They go, but just make it again. They, I know they rewrote it because Sam Raimi was there going, oh, it doesn't really make this. It's scary. He's a great director, but it doesn't really make much sense. So we're going to have to rewrite the script so it makes more sense. But, you know, so um, I, I guess they kept a lot of the set pieces and added more characterization and, and spelt out yeah. the stuff that was less obvious. Yeah, I think all this stuff, like in this in this building and in the in the apartment after, is really effective. Especially when we see the ghost of Kaiko, are like in the the CCTV footage of that. Like how obviously there are lots of ways in J horror that like spirits and spectres seem to appear, um, affecting technology. You know, TV screens with static and flickering and stuff. But I think mm. this is really effective. How it's like a sort of black shape that just kind of 
appears at the door and then comes closer. Slurps um, off the security guard on the CCTV. That's really effective because it's got the same energy that we would later see in films like The Signs, where old M. Night gave us some of the scariest moments of that film with characters watching something on television. And we get this here as well, right? Oh, yeah. like when she is watching the security guard, just sticking his head, and he's obviously feeling awkward, like, oh, you're in the ladies, and I need to make sure no one's in there. He's like, got, is it the door? Like, hey, is there a ghost in it? And then you see, and like, I, we're not sure whether he sees this or not, because you're only seeing it through the monitor. Like this shadow come up and almost yeah. kind of, sort of coax him into the room almost. It's kind of, it just draws him away. Um, mm. And then Hitomi runs runs off and heads home. Uh, Toshio's like, uh, this is the bit that we see in the lift and he's by the doors. He's like droopy dog, this kid. Like that wolf is running and like <laughs> going across the ocean and slamming and locking all those doors and he's just in the kitchen behind him. Yeah, he's his little face as they go past the floors. That's another really effective scene. Like ghosts <laughs> that the characters don't even see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's good. Um, yeah. And Did you guys ever hear about Elisa Lam? No. Oh wait, is really? that the girl is that the girl oh, in the lift from the wait? Okay. Wait, Real life story of this girl called Elisa Lam, which uh, was really weirdly reminiscent to Dark Water. Uh, I can't remember the year. I think it was like 2011 or something. You can Google it though. Where she was in what? 2013. She was filmed on CCTV in, a, in the um, hotel, the famous. Oh, uh, yes. They, they made a hotel. They made uh, where she was like running well, in they? the elevator and like she was scared of something and then she got found yeah. dead in the, in water, the water tank, tank on the roof. Right. It's the same. It's like pretty much yeah, the same as dark water, isn't it? It's yeah, really freaky. Yeah. And I always think about it anytime I see elevator scenes and J horror, basically. Yeah. I mean, no one still knows what happened, but I mean, the idea is that she was. I think she was bipolar, so people thought maybe she was having an episode or something. But hmm. she could have creepy. equally just been J horrored. Yeah, exactly. Running away from Toshio. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Toshio looking through those doors of the of the lift at her as she goes up. Mm. So Hitomi goes and hides in her apartment, hides under the, the duvet, which I think is a perfectly good um She uses two good decompression methods. She gets under the duvet and she puts something unconnected to horror on the telly. Put a bit yeah. of nature on. Put a bit of David that. Attenborough on, calm you right down. Yeah. Stick Dave on. You know, oh, just can you imagine brainless. if they'd done? Imagine if they'd done that in the American remake. Instead of that, had like Sir David, and have him suddenly like go all warped and turn into a kayak. Goes <laughs> now these predator. She turns it out. Are you right, David? You having a stroke? Yeah, um, David I... does wear lovely pale blues, like like Toshio does. Yeah, I see, I think people get caught up in the idea that, that J-horror is kind of tech-phobic or something, but actually it does seem like more it's attacking all these things that you make you feel safe. So, like, mm. putting the TV on, even CCTV, it's, like, meant to keep you safe at the end of the day and your mobile and ringing somebody. I don't know. It's, like, just infiltrating all these things that you feel safe around. Yeah, and they're kind of corrupting that. And in many ways, that's how they get you because, you know, it goes all warped and then the face is, is there. And the next thing you know, a teddy bear that she lost in the toilets is back in her hand. That's all right. It's good. Oh, I thought I lost this. Oh, I found it again. 
in my hand the whole time. It's always the way. Um, <laughs> but then this is the this is the point that you mentioned, Jasper, right? When she's she's hidden under the covers, and then she, mm -hmm. oh, this is lumpy. I left Tony. It's only a kayako under the duvet, <laughs> under the duna. And it slips her off into the the, the where 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 do they go? The phantom zone. Just they oblivion. Just, yeah, she gets sucked under the duvet. Yeah. And then disappears off into Yeah, like sort of jewels under the water, sort of grabbing her yeah. down. It's effective though. Scary, scary eyes under yeah, the duvet. Right. <laughs> Better than the killer tupe in um in the uh, grudge two, of course. <laughs> Wait, what? I've missed out on not watching Hang the sequel to Killer Toupee. <laughs> Where the he reviewed the wrong is, film. Is, is menaced by the, the hair that crawls along, being dragged along the floor on a bit of wire. It's, uh, it's, uh, That's what, one of the best transformation scenes of Kaiko, I think, in the series, where she comes out of the toupee. She comes out of the toupee. Yeah, Sorry, it's like, <laughs> they're in the dressing room. So the toupee, it, I don't know, for, it's literally coming along like this and then it turns into her. Yeah, yeah, it morphs into her. <laughs> I think the number one best bit is when she is, she, this woman is giving birth and she oh, comes out instead this, yeah. of a baby. <laughs> well, this is it. This is in the J horror virus, isn't it? Because that was a little sequence. I was like, I don't think I've seen that before. Yeah, pregnant woman. Yeah, the Grudge Two's got some pretty effective bits in it. There's the other bit where someone gets hung um, by her hair, and, and then you look up and see Kayako like Spider Man stuck on the ceiling, <laughs> dangling down as a as a noose. It feels like in in the Grudge, she's just going about standard kills, you know. And in Two, she's like, I've got to mix it up a bit. I've got to keep yeah, it fresh. Like, she's like, I'm uh, brainstorming here. I'm brainstorming here. Right, hang someone, <laughs> hang someone by my hair. Good, been looking great. at the rings like and oh no, I'm gonna. This is who I'm gonna have to beat. Come out of a, come out of a two pack. One one uh, moment that scared me when I was a kid was in the American remake Grudge Two. Um, the lead actress blonde girl i forget her name but she's in lights out she uh what is her name it's like tomorrow or something anyway she is in a locker room getting changed after doing pe or something what they do in america and um yeah. <laughs> i just think americans doing pe it sounds wrong anyway <laughs> uh, she looks over and like there's no one else around and there's like it looks like someone's coat is hanging up by the locker, but then the more you look, it's more like hair, and then it's uh, the gut, the grudge girl. So, uh, Teresa Palmer. It makes you look at any sort of cupboard full of clothes, and you sort of for the rest of your life, you're sort of looking close. Jacket, or is it a hairy ghost? Is that Kayako in my closet? <laughs> she could be a coat. She could be hair. She could be a wig. She could be. Your pregnancy, anything. Yep, anything at all. Um, okay, so next chronologically is when Rika gets sent um, by her boss, Hirohashi, played by Ted Raimi in the American remake as well, which I thought was really interesting, uh, to care for um, the mum. And that is when... See, this is kind of weird, though, isn't it? Because she discovers Toshio in ghost form here, right? Yeah? No, or in normal he form clothed? first. He's like, what's your name? He goes, Toshio. All right. Toshio, leave me alone. He doesn't um, speak, does he? No, no, no. Yes. Doesn't he yes. talk to when he's when she's on the stairs? Just hello. What's your he name? He doesn't no, speak. No, he walks off, doesn't he? And, does he know. just walk off? 
Just walks I up thought he calls big, after yeah. it. I will admit that the last time I watched this for my original showing, I did, I promise, watch it properly. But because I had to split my attention re-watching it for this one, had to go dubs, didn't I? So they had lovely, um, very, <laughs> very, they had very London accents. So maybe yes, in the yeah, dub. Did they really? Maybe he in the dub, up, yeah. he does go. London accents. Yeah, they're all like, not like, they're not like East End London, but they're <laughs> like. Proper, yeah, proper they're, British, British accents. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's proper, like, yeah, BBC British, like, hello, what's your name? And, he go, and certainly in the dub, I picked away, because otherwise I, cause I wrote his name down. Like, Maybe yeah, he does say Toshio. his name. She goes, she goes, what's your name? And he goes, Toshio. <laughs> yeah, my name's Toshio. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Toshio, what's your name? Uh, okay, and that's when, obviously, Rika witnesses... Um, Sashi, the mum, being killed by Kaiko's ghost. This is an effective scene, isn't it, where, where she kind of just appears above her and it causes uh, Rika to faint. And then she's like there all day. Like, just Till the boss there. comes around again. For sake, I've asked Rika to do it's... one job. Cover for me on this one occasion. Rika looks like she's having one of those really bad hangovers, you know, when you're like, you don't know whether this is the end or not. And you're kind of <laughs> just lying there, staring <laughs> at, at the ceiling. Or the wall going, oh, bloody hell. That's what she looks like. It's a, it's a okay. good callback, though. Fainting. We don't do it so much nowadays. That's a proper, like, Victorian-era faint that she that she falls there. Harkening back to her day, you know, Victorian-era, where you could have a stressful week and literally die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bloody hell, it's been a stressful week. Oh, I've got, I've got, I'm sorry, Ben, I've come down with a brain fever. I'm going to have to move to the seaside for a year or risk death. <laughs> Not a brain fever. <laughs> Oh, I've got a proper brain fever on me. I've got a right org. I'm not long for this world. I do like uh, Twitter threads where it's just like, these are things that would put a Victorian Victorian boy in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, it's just like a series of different things. Lucky Charm cereal. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, honestly, just learning Toshio's name, uh, you know, the fact that he like ran away and didn't say, how do you do? That would have put a Victorian person in a... How do you do? Well, how incredibly rude. Um, okay, so then uh, Hirohashi finds Rika, contacts the police, the detectives come round, uh, and that's when they discover the bodies in the attic, uh, and then they learn of Hitomi's disappearance and the death of the security guard at the workplace by reviewing the CCTV footage. Um, and then we see a little shot that obviously we didn't see from earlier, which is where <laughs> which is where um, Kayako just. I don't know. What does she do? Just peers into the camera? Yeah, she has a little look. But does, does, does she look at that when the other police are viewing, or does she only do that when... Um, does she only look at do that when the de- old detective has been pulled back in to look at it? Is that a real question? Is that a real yes. question? Yeah. Like, I'm does it sure. do all the detectives see that, or is it a, a change when only he comes back and looks at it? I'm just looking at the link Sarah's just sent over. I think I've seen something like this before. Things women in literature have died from, and this this is fantastic. Uh, Cold hands, I mean, could happen. (laughs) Happens to the best of us. Beautiful face. What, seeing a beautiful face or having a beautiful face? Both. Both. Missing slippers. I'll tell you what, that's pushed me over the edge more than once. (laughs) (laughs) Someone said no very loudly when they're in the room. (laughs) I know what that feels like, though. You know when you don't expect someone to be be aggressive to you, and then they do. You come over a bit 
Come oh, I, I've almost died on several occasions in and our modern era of the of the 2020s because there's someone being a little bit narky on a train. Hang on a minute. Here, there's too many. I was on a train out of London, Ben, and there was some woman who was very drunk on the train kicking off to her mates, going, right, I'm going to go to the toilet. Now, if you eat my fucking nuggets, I'm going to kick off. And then she was trying to get into the toilets on the train and there was someone already in there and she was banging on the door. I had to move carriages. I wasn't ready for this kind of confrontation in my life. Jesus, don't eat my nuggets. Here on the list, too many pillows and then not enough pillows. Hopefully it's not the same person. Like Sarah was saying about it being hot in the foyer and then cold in the thing, that's the same principle. Things to do change, but you can die from that. Spent this one's great. Spent more than a month in London after growing up in Yorkshire. How much for a pint? <laughs> stop! I'm gonna have to leave in a minute. If you if you carry on, I can't stop laughing. Okay, well maybe leave it at that. The last one is spine. The last one I'm gonna re- read out is spinal degeneration as a result of pride. Sorry. Oh, standing up too what. straight because of pride. <laughs> Away you spine out. <laughs> That's good. If if you enjoy that, please also look at the things that would put a Victorian child in a coma. Because link in the good. show notes. <laughs> things things from the modern age that would put a Victorian child in a coma. Um, just as enjoyable as that list. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> where where are we where are we at next? So, Rika essentially is getting haunted by the ghosts after this, which is the scene behind you, Andy, where they're just lurking while she's in bed. Proper annoying, isn't it? Because you just be like, how do I get rid of them? They're haunting me. I just went to uh, do, I just covered a shift at work and now this is happening. Little yeah. boy sitting on the end of my bed. And I then... feel like, is she thinking, is she going to dribble on me? Yeah. yeah I mean, would, what would you be thinking if do she's staring at you dribble. like that? Do you reckon she'd be blowing on her ever so like, Go to sleep. No, she's sleep. doing that thing where you dribble a bit, but yeah. you don't let it go. Give back no, up. No, no, I hate that. I've seen I've seen a video of that where someone does it like to the floor, and then that's ridiculous. You've been drinking too much orange juice or something. No, um, I, you couldn't sleep either, could you? I can't sleep when even if I. If someone's threatening to gobble on me, no. Well, uh, so she's standing there like obviously we only see this little clip of it but i imagine like if that she has to escalate after a while and after rika just gets so tired and is just falling asleep she's like going, ah, ah, like putting a hand right near her face like, stop it please i'm exhausted this is when the uh detectives start doing a bit of research into the history of the house and this and the murders uh they contact a retired detective named toyama he's afraid of visiting the case it's like, and he and then he goes to oh yeah he goes to burn the house down doesn't he, um but yeah this is this is a weird thing so this is a bit of a time jump isn't it a slight time jump when the teenage girls are in the house does he see does the ghost does Kirko make him see the future of his daughter is it his daughter I was a bit confused by this bit it's his daughter right she was a little girl when they tried to recruit him does he see her in the future when she is a teenager because it's his because later his picture is in the house that the older teenage girl is in. That is what I took away from it. Maybe I completely misunderstood it. Yeah, I can't say I haven't scrutinised it recently, but I know one of the teenage girls turns up in Juon Two is the one, the only person. She's one of the only ones that survives from the first film. 
and mm. she gets her own segment. Ah, okay. Yeah, because I think it's pretty much just her who survives in the first film, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, my takeaway is that she is the detective's daughter who was drawing on the floor because then his picture in the future when that teenager is in it again is in his house and his mom and the mom is looking at it again. Yeah, he's on the shrine, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, oh, his dad's, yeah, dad's right, fucked yeah. off. So there was I assume weird... that's his daughter that like is grown up, but it's never made expressly and i don't need like you know marvel movie style 26 inch letters saying six years later or whatever <laughs> else but it's not made particularly clear but my takeaway I was that yeah my takeaway was that it was her grown up because when the police come to recruit the retired detective he's like i'm i'm out of this he goes no come on pull you back in for one more job he goes yeah. and he watches that video where we see the security guard get killed and then Kaiko appear. Spyglass in the old camera there, can I see you? And then he makes the decision immediately. He's like, right, thought it over. I'm going to petrol that house, petrol it to shit, mate. And he's straight over there, couple of tins of petrol, wasn't it about the place? And then he sort of, of sees, he sees a vision of three teenagers upstairs but then it's a it's a trick and it's Kayako. She just tell you what, you know what I want to show you. After that glimpse of the future, I'm gonna show you how good I am at crawling down the stairs. It's dead hard this. Yeah, so that's like the iconic scene of crawling down the stairs. Of course, if that's happening, just sit at the bottom of the stairs terrified. I guess you're frozen. Frozen by fear. Because <laughs> all three yeah. detectives are in the house at that point. They <laughs> oh, yeah, they're all like gri- I feel they're like they're doing like, like a... In some of the shots, in some of the shots, one or two of them are just like sitting there. <laughs> they're not even screaming. Or... No, they're sort of shaking, aren't they? And they're sort of, the director said, shiver and look scared. And they're sort of... I feel yeah. there's a moment that it's almost... If you put in the Scooby Doo noise when they're trying to run and they're just sort of running on the spot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why am I not going anywhere? Um, yeah, but then this is when she's the one of the most iconic and creepy crawls down the stairs, right? I know she does another couple yet, but yeah, she gets a couple more uh, stair descends in, doesn't she? Mm. Um, yeah. So, what's next? Chronologically. Chronologically, is this when Rika's a little bit better and she's Yeah, she's like moved on with her life. Um a mate's got tickets to a concert, invites her to come that night. Results. Fantastic. Um, um and there's that old man. And at first I was like, have you inserted pervy old man character who is looking at her bum through the window? But no, it's okay. She he's actually playing Peekaboo Boo, the ghost boy. It was wrong of me to judge him. <laughs> I just want to make that assumption. Well, it sounds like a terrible, terrible excuse. What are you doing looking at me through the window? I'm just playing peekaboo of a ghost boy. Don't worry about it. Because uh, there's an old man who's sat in the, like, Rika's outside talking to a friend. Um, he's properly playing peekaboo out the window, looking like to judgmental people that he's staring at Rika's bum, especially as, like, this other fella comes along. He's like, <laughs> all right, good morning. He's like, fuck out of it. <laughs> <laughs> You're ruining my train of thought. Um, uh, but he, he he plays peekaboo, and then you. See, this is the great bit as well. I think Jasper mentioned it, where they're they're push, where she's like pushing the old man around in his wheelchair, taking him for some time outside, and he's like looking over and playing peekaboo. And then, as you get to the window, you see Toshio's like walking alongside 
He's quite friendly mm. with the old man, though. I guess yeah, the no, old man's so they? They've got a bit of a rapport going. I guess the old man, Toshio died a while back, right? He could have been one of his mates. Maybe not that long ago. It's kindred yeah. spirit. He's continued to age up as a ghost. He's probably into similar things. <laughs> is he like really? Is he super? Where is he now? Inherently not... evil, though, T- Toshio. Really? Is he? He's sort of playful, isn't he? I think. Yeah. He kills anyone, does he? No. It's Kaikade that does the, the, the death. Kaikade that does the bloody murder. Right? I don't know. I reckon. I reckon I'd still accredit Toshio with an assist on a number of these murders. <laughs> Just an assist. Yeah. Uh, so when is it that Rika kind of witnesses Kayako again and then she kind of looks like her, doesn't she? Well, I guess this is the end of the film, but chronologically, does this happen before this? Is this her major haunting moment? I think it's a little, I think this is like essentially the end of the film chronologically and the end of the actual film as well. Um, so what does this mean when we see Rika sort of Kayako look like Rika? Are we meant to believe that she is doomed to like play out the curse, have the same fate. As Those Kaika. of you that have seen anything, does does that come back? In? Does Kaika go on to inhabit other people in later movies? Is it just like one of those things where they go, we're going to end on this, but we're never ever going to revisit it in any of the sequels? Um, because I'm essentially like uh, Rika is killed as well because we do see the the final shot, which is obviously. Rika with long hair, similar to Kayako in the house's attic. And then she does the old death rattle noise as well. Yeah. It's very, very strange. And that death rattle, I mean, <laughs> this is till we'll come we'll come back to the death rattle because the only thing we haven't touched on is the fact that we get after the detectives have disappeared, we also get something where his daughter, allegedly, or at least as far as I'm concerned, has grown up and then she's there with her teenage friends she starts to become more and more disturbed and is like papering up her windows. Other, some other girls have gone missing potentially. They get the teacher to get the photos back. And then a commonality, I guess, that we see with the ring where the photos have been distorted. Whereas in the ring, we see their faces all twisted in the, here in the grudge. Everyone looks like they're wearing those little tiny Morpheus sunglasses in the picture. They've got their eyes burned out in there. They all look like Morpheus on their photos. Um, uh, or at least everyone that's disappeared has. Like people that are marked by it, but there yeah, are a couple of people untouched. So, get, so in a way, it's almost like that. this is it is becoming like a, a, a bigger curse that's literally affecting lots of people rather than being sort of quite small scale, isn't it? Yeah, and is it like marked people appearing? Like you've seen more than me in this. Is this... A common theme, or is it just the grudge and the ring where you see people's image in photographs being distorted by being afflicted by these curses in some way? Yeah, I think that's quite a common motif, isn't it? Show the sort of curse of I think there might be a bit of that in Uzumaki actually, spirals infecting mm. people's faces. You look like a yeah, snail I in can, this I picture. Can, I can, I can <laughs> imagine it is in other films just because, you know, like. I don't think it is in Shutter, but the whole idea of a photo being your soul and things like mm. I can't I can't think of an example right now though that, that where I can see that happening. And your soul is marked, and that's why you look like shit in this photo. That's what I'm going to say when everyone takes a bad photo of me. I'm going to say, yeah. Goosebumps <laughs> episode. Say cheese and die. 
Oh, yeah, yeah Ryan Gosling se- himself. Second yeah. episode on a trot that Goosebumps episode Say Cheese and Die has been mentioned. Maybe we have to do <laughs> really? a maybe we'll do a special bite-sized episode then on the Patreon where we'll cover yeah, Ryan, Ryan Gosling Say Cheese and Die. Jasper, you probably don't know it, but um, Ryan Gosling's first ever appearance was in <laughs> Goosebumps in Say right. Cheese and Die. And in the plot is fairly obvious they find a very old camera take photos and then whoever they take photos of dies <laughs> it's very like dies in like a goosebumps way isn't it it's like this person will fall down the stairs or my dad's <laughs> car will get scratched or i think what happens is that they take a photo of the person and the person does not appear in the photo is that true that and then happen. they die oh. Okay, there's like definitely that. one with a car where he takes a photo of the dad's new car and then the picture and then it's all the cars crashed. absolutely fucked and then yeah. and then he crashes it it goes really weird because they go to this huge warehouse to find this creepy dude with weird boogly eyes i feel like he's got this google he's got a boogly eye right i feel like i watched this recently <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you did. it's on it's on something isn't it like oh, i'm not sure what What's it's the on difference between a boogly eye and a googly eye <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm imagining it, you know, those eyes where you've got the eyeballs where they come out on the spirals, you know. But yes. I don't think it was that. I think it was goggles. Yeah, special fanta- special goggles. Yeah, I think we're gonna have to do say cheese and die as one of the it's a fantastic photo. The key moments of, of, of Ryan Gosling. Goosebumps. It's just yeah. great. Fantastic photo of Ryan Gosling. I've just put in the chat. Just looks very, very upset. <laughs> um, the only thing I can he tell you. Always going to be a star. <laughs> the only thing I can tell you about Ryan Gosling. He appeared for a while. I credit to a podcast I listened to called Do On and a guest called Joel Dusha who said this that Ryan Gosling, who would go on to be in Young Hercules, his excuse that he left the program was that he cared too much about the character. I care too much about young Hercules. I have to quit this show. Wow. Takes it seriously. Uh, yeah, and that, so, that is, but, that yeah, is but the just The Grudge, that's it. So we end. This is my prevailing memory of The Grudge as a film. So as we've mentioned, this is all out of sequence, but the final bit where Rika has a final confrontation with uh, Kayako and we end up with a stair crawl and we end up in a first-person view of the camera, right, with a crawling almost towards us, the viewer, as if to yeah. say, hey, I have a curse up yeah. Um First time I ever watched The Grudge, I was, um, like mentioned, I was big into going in and burning my student loan on these um, Tartan Asia Extreme DVDs that I could find when you could get one, and The Grudge was the latest one that I had picked up and watched the ring at this point i was huge into battle royale i was like yes this is going to be the next one i'll watch the grudge made the mistake of putting it on quite late at night uh i had a couple of friends over which want to watch watch the grudge but i was we were dead tired and we're falling asleep so rather than just being sensible and saying tell you what turn this off i'll watch this in the morning i was determined to try and stay awake so i stood up for a little bit and i walked around as i was trying to watch it and then i ended up sort of led on the floor, the hard floor of my parents' living room, in front of the TV, rather than on the comfy sofa. But that was still not enough to keep me awake. And I did manage to fall asleep really close to like a big, enormous, proper kill stew from Scream heavy TV as well, um, lying there in front of it. And then I woke up as the film ended. So, you know, you're casually there, you're just asleep, then waking up. And then I was like <laughs> Rika with, with Kayako leering over me in the night. So just this oh. screen 
enormous, enormous screen about, you know, um, I don't know, I was about, like, about 30 centimetres away from, so literally right in front of the TV with this big, like, uh, noise looking up. Yeah, and I was like, oh, horrible I... way to wake up. I had to go and put some <laughs> David Attenborough on to get to sleep. <laughs> I had that exact same thing where I had a friend over when I was like 15 or something and we fell asleep when we had put the DVD of the ring on and we fell asleep and the DVD menu would just loop and oh, no. I think that the image on the DVD menu was you know where that the camera goes really fast up to Amma Tamlin's face where she goes after she's seen the ring come the sadako come out of the tv and so it's on that on a loop and i remember waking up in the middle of the night and just seeing that and being like <laughs> no what have i done i've been cursed terrifying uh, the same. All, all dvds used to start with that you wouldn't steal a car thing and it goes and the film would end and just restart on that so if you fell asleep you were screwed and the same font from screen heart attack fuck i would steal a film um it's trying to drill it into you while you're asleep you wouldn't steal a film you wouldn't steal a film get off that ebay and get your vcds and stop supporting piracy your dog there we go then that's you on the grudge uh covered we're gonna play a little bit of name game you've got any name game andy I've got a couple for you ben actually yeah very nice okay so just explaining the rules of name game we're gonna give you a synopsis uh jasper and sarah a synopsis to a movie that sounds a little bit like you on the grudge but it's fictional, though grudge. it doesn't exist. Fictional, doesn't exist. Um, it sounds a bit like it, and it will basically rhyme with "John the Grudge." Uh, very simple. But as soon as you get one, you'll realize how it works. But Andy, have you got? Yeah, I'm sure. Me? So, uh, what's the what's the synopsis? Ben and I will invariably uh, fail to stick to it. But here we go. A mysterious and vengeful spirit marks and pursues anybody who dares enter the house in which it resides. Okay, so uh, a mysterious and vengeful spirit um, proceeds to wait for its victims to just be trying to write something, then it bloody knocks their arm. <laughs> what? <laughs> What's that film called? It's called The Nudge. The Nudge, there you go. Got it. Oh. <laughs> Said, as soon as you get one, you'll get the rest. I get wow. it. I got one. Go on. Okay. Uh, a mysterious and vengeful spirit called Judy marks and pursues anybody who dares enter the courtroom in which she resides. The judge. The judge. Very good. The judge. See? Is there the one then uh, for you? So, a mysterious and vengeful spirit in the sequel to the last one, she's escalated from nudging, but she does wait for people to have finished writing something and just gets the film on that and just wipes it across, ruining what they've written. Nudge. The smudge, correct. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I wow. had smudge and nudge written down, Andy. <laughs> yeah. Do you want me to uh, do one more? I've got another one. I got another one. You got another, another one, another go on then. Um a mysterious and vengeful spirit marks and pursues anybody who dares enjoy uh rich condensed <laughs> milk. Fudge <laughs> <The> indeed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is a lovely bit of fudge, this is. What's that? Kaiko. Kaiko. Having mended her ways, a once vengeful spirit makes amends by buying everyone a quintessential gift from Cornwall and the West Country. <laughs> <laughs> Yours is much better. Yours is much better. I should have let you go first. 
Uh, that's what I mean. No, the words rhyme with grudge, right? That's it. I mean, I did have grudge, <laughs> but that's not very good. Uh, I'll sludge. go on. One... Oh, there you go. Oh, one, one for the road. Um, so uh, a vengeful, a vengeful ghost curses anyone that enters her house by meeting them on public transport and quite rudely just asking them if they can move over a bit so she can sit where they are. Budge. Correct. Budge Budge over, would you? Get your bag off the seat next to you. That's incredibly rude. There we go, then. That's it. These films would all be better. (laughs) (laughs) They would. They'd make all the... Sounds like they've got more narrative cohesion. I would pay to see the fudge. They've got a plot. I'm definitely more scared of Judge Judy than I am Kayakau. Terrifying. Um, oh, and okay. you could have, in, in when you inevitably get through the series, you could have like Judy versus Rinder, all the famous <laughs> judges like battling it out. Judy versus Rinder. <laughs> She's Judy. coming out of a telly. Judge He's coming out of your mobile phone. Amazing. All these judges. Okay. The last thing we've got to do is rate the film A to F. Pluses and minuses are allowed. Um, we'll let Sarah and Jasper go first as the, the J minus experts. Straight in, Sarah. Wait, what minus? D minus. D minus. It's not my fave. D's get degrees, Ben. That's all right. It's acceptable. Just about passes. Just about. Okay. Must try harder. Jasper, can you be a little bit more? Uh, I would go for uh, B minus. I, I think it is sort of incomprehensible. When you watch stuff all together... You've got this sort of weird jigsaw piece, sort of portrait of a bigger story. I think. I think there's some individual set pieces are very good, but it's not my favourite J horror by a long chalk. And I, I often seeing it, yeah, like a sort of cashing in on the success of the other ones personally. Yeah, I think that it, it basically the just the simple fact that he remade the exact same thing over and over again, but didn't seem to want to add mm. some plots or just. Well, he didn't really because the video, the video ones are like sort of prequels that they they flesh out a bit. Of, I mean, basically, if you look at the whole thing, it's like an eight-hour film with all the bits. Uh, where she comes downstairs over and over again, though. Oh, it's quite similar. the same set pieces again and again. Yeah, it's basically what he did was think up these set pieces and then tried to work around them every time. And, and you know, mm. I, it'll be, I haven't seen anything else that he's done that I thought was really good. So yeah, Arabito, know, I'm being obviously quite harsh, but... Arabito, The Stranger from Afar, I think is... is oh, yeah. Okay, is, yeah. Is, is That's the best film good. he's ever done. The one he did between the Grudge and the the Hollywood remakes, he did it in about two weeks, and and that's uh, possibly one of the most interesting J horrors there is. It is actually, yeah. I'm, what I'm he needs is that. time pressure. Yeah, uh, not being told to cash in on his old successes, I guess. I'm going to go for a C plus. I think after watching some other J horror in the week leading up, it didn't. It didn't affect me as much as some of the others. I think it's I think it's good though. It's got some interesting visuals and but yeah, watching no the American Water. remake as well. <laughs> it's no Dark Water, no, exactly. That felt that felt like that was the best example of like a supernatural story with some really human 
stories at heart and it felt like it cared about the characters and, and the plot as well where i felt like this kind of for, it forgoes that for just the, the scares mm -hmm. just the greatest hits i guess um mm -hmm. of coming down the stairs andy if anyone wants to watch kayako i would definitely recommend american grudge 2 as my favorite of the oh, whole it looks like, looks like the director made that as well yeah american grudge 2 i think yeah. that was the okay. last one last one, it's my so favorite it's quite scary mm. i think i pick those up and i go through those ones i think just to be a completionist mm. go for the first one and get there my rating ben i'm gonna go it's in the middle of all of you i guess i'm gonna go a c minus because i think you recognize those recognize those set pieces you know like Ghost under the covers coming out of the, the the distortion of the TV and for sound work alone, I think the sound is effortlessly haunting and that does have its place amongst the best of some of the things that you'll see from the genre. But it is hard to it is hard to keep a, a thread of these things, especially when you're gonna do something more complicated with time skips and everything like that. And I know that perhaps the rest of the series does fill this in but i'm not sure i've got that type of energy in my life to be like right i need to watch all of these and then also yeah. be making notes so i can then make sure that you understand it in the right order sometimes it should work on its own yeah just want to watch a film yeah. you know like let me let me just enjoy my life don't be leaning over me when i'm trying to sleep thinking about the things that haven't quite worked out so um it falls down a bit for me on that one but i think as set pieces alone, like you could pick half a dozen scenes from this film and just show it in isolation and say, look at this short, scary thing. It's just the connective tissue between them that maybe yeah. lets it down a bit. My yeah. favourite scene is the CCTV. That is the first one, right? Because they all sort of blur. Yeah, that's in, in the first one. But where, you know, where the lights are shutting off as she's coming closer down the corridor. Oh, maybe that's a light. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, is that in the second know. one? I don't no, know. no, that's no. the first one. That's the first, the first one, yeah. No, bl yeah. blacked it all out. <laughs> Too scary. I'm definitely <laughs> going to check out The Grudge too, and I'll probably check out uh, Sadako versus Kaiko as well. Uh, the Grudge match. And check so, out uh, the Netflix the Netflix series, which is the same screenwriter as The Ring and Dark. <laughs> so it's, mm. it's um, a lot more narratively coherent. Have yeah. you guys watched Rings? Yes. I have I seen rings. It's a bit, it's a bit, you know. But I would always say you should try it. Mm. Definitely. What about Is that the one with Rick... the trailer where she comes out of the the airplane screens? Yeah. That's how that's, that's how Sadako gets about. Jesus. It was a really good trailer. It made me think it was going to be really good, and then I don't think that's. I think that's like the set piece front scene or something like that, and it's not remotely uh, in just the, the film. cold open. Is not in the film. Yeah. Okay. She's coming through small screens now. She's gonna be coming out of a Game Boy Advance next. She'll come out of little yeah. tiny ones like um like little Ash from uh Army of Darkness comes out all <laughs> tiny. Oh wow. <laughs> what about what about Ring Zero? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's good, scary. Watch it. I well, I've got a real soft spot for Razen, which was the, the oh, sequel yeah. to Ring, the, the Ring novel that was released on a double bill with the original Ring. And but obviously they not, were not made in in with either director telling them what approach they were going to take. So basically, as I said, Nakata transformed Ring into a sort of supernatural ghost story, whereas Razan still sticks with this sort of romantic pseudo science mm. science fiction sort of aspect. So 
everyone compares it very unfavorably with Ring because it's not scary. It's not a horror movie. But it is actually, I think, an interesting movie in its own right. Sounds mm. good. Like, go right. Once again, I'm coming coming away from a session where I've got where my watch list has grown exponentially. That's exactly what I'm doing now. Up. Yeah, I'm just adding adding things to the watch list. Okay. Um. Thanks so much for joining us, Sarah and Jasper. Where can our listeners keep up to speed? Uh, with everything to do with you guys and the J Horror Virus, obviously lots of festivals for October as well. So good luck with those. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. having us. This was fun. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can we? Would it be best to follow the J Horror Virus on Twitter? Is that the best place to keep up with all the updates? Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's oh, the J Horror Virus that at on X. Uh, on that X. name's never going to stick. No, <laughs> I noticed on the news earlier they still do on BBC. They still do X slash Twitter when they're yeah the the website it. formerly known as Twitter. Yeah. I mean, you know what? We can never criticize any uh, any film creators for running out of ideas and having bad ones because there's billionaires doing it all the time. Absolute stinkers. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do yeah, everyone yeah. follow these things along because obviously, yes. when you get a chance to watch the J Horror Virus, if this has been of any interest at all, or you like the genre, you will come away with some great <laughs> insights into the making of the film. You'll look at some of the themes behind it that the guys have touched on a little bit today as well, and much like any good horror documentary, you will come away with a big fat load of recommendations of stuff to catch up on. So mm. if you're near any of the screenings, <laughs> go see it live, support people making things like this. And if not, watch out for future news on releases where you'll be able to watch it at home as well. I'm sure the guys are working on it. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Uh, we'll put all the links for that in the show notes. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout. Uh, thanks to Taj Easton for our theme music. Thanks to ACAS for hosting the show. Please consider giving us a rating or review. Head over to the Facebook group, Horror Hangout Board of Advisors. We are now on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and from this week onwards, Discord. So hit Oof. up our socials and you can get a link for that. Next week, uh, October begins. I'm not sure exactly what we're covering for the first week. However, it will be... Uh, we've got loads of awesome guests lines up, lined up. In October, we're going to be doing The Exodus Believer. We're going to be covering the Forbidden Worlds Film Festival, which is showing things like Mimic and Christine and Night of the Creeps. So we're going to be covering that, uh, as well as some other films that we haven't 100% decided on yet. But we will put that out on socials very soon. Uh, but yeah, thanks again, Sarah and Jasper. Thanks for joining us. That was that was awesome. Thank thanks, you. Both. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. See you later. Bye, Bye. everybody. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.